0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Eat, That podcast. I am your host, Voight Anthony Jefferson, a.k.a. the number one thigh ally, a.k.a. the undisputed bussy champion, a.k.a. the essence of le bussy, a.k.a. Top, foot, top five bussy dead or alive. Once again, I want to repeat, top five bussy dead or alive. That means there are some bitches that are dead, there are some bitches that are alive that y'all think may be top five, but then they're, they're not, okay? If it doesn't include me, okay? AKA bless bussy cuz you know I just blessed fat bitch bussy actually because you know the girls was talking about anything over 32 is gay fat. So I am definitely gay fat, but this is blessed fat bitch bussy and I just want to let you girls know that you know if y'all think I'm fat or you think anyone who's a size 32 is fat, you know, you know, you're dumb and someone, you know, We probably fucked your daddy, and he said that our bussy was better than your mama's. But, anyways, (laughs) welcome to episode three oh four entitled "Bussy Sermon." We are happy to have you here, Bussy Hive. And now I'm going to introduce the sexy, the beautiful, Mm. the chocolate, the phone sex operator herself, Amber Milan.
1: Uh, yes, yes, what's up, what's up Hey y'all, this is your girl Amber A.K.A. Emo Black Girl A.K.A. anti-depressants, A.K.A. I'm the fuck here today You hear? Do you hear it in my voice a little bit? I'm yes. like
2: I'm still <clears throat> here
1: <clears throat> But, okay First of all, we love everyone who is fat here Okay Come Shout on. out to our fat girls Our fat people, okay You are seen mm-hmm. We are seen Amen. We are good. Okay. We love you. Amen. Amber, you don't I w- get enough credit. You don't. And Be- you should. Amen. And you deserve.
0: You deserve lots of dick or pussy, <laughs> whatever you prefer. Whatever
1: you prefer. Yeah.
0: Shit, even if you just prefer a spicy chicken... Spicy chicken sandwich. You do um, deserve. You deserve yeah, you that. Do, you deserve. And sure.
1: not even have to wait in line for it. Hey
0: Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Because I had my spicy chicken sandwich this week.
1: I haven't had it. I mean, I've had. I haven't had it since. I mean, been had, bad? Right, because you know, I. You know, I had it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah. I, I had, had, had one, since one I had, since I had it two back.
0: yesterday, actually.
1: Damn, it's still good.
0: So I will say that I felt a little. I feel like they don't, they don't put as much sauce on it yeah. as I like to anymore. I feel like they 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 um they're lessening the sauce, you know, amounts. Mm-hmm. But other than that it was still good. The chicken was still properly fried. Mm. The the breast was still tender. So mm. the pickles they they added more pickles. They added more pickles. Yes, I heard yes. they
1: took them pickles out.
0: No, no, no. no. They added more pickles. Mm.
1: Okay.
0: Um so I was satisfied. Okay. I was satisfied.
1: How have you been? It's been a couple weeks.
0: You know, it has been a few weeks. I was good. You know, I turned 34 this week.
1: Happy birthday. Ow, 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 beep, ow, beep, ow, beep. ow, ow. Oh. <laughs> Ty doesn't have his little...
0: <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> I turned 34 this week, so that was good. Nice. Um, I was in L.A. That was good, also good, because mm-hmm. I didn't, like, overdo it like I normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, I sucked some dick while I was in L.A. Um, oh, Okay. Yeah, it was. I'm, I'm, I saw, I leaned into the more casual situation. This was a young man whose dick I had sucked before. Um, he listens to the podcast, so shout out to him. Hey. Um, and I think like it was good because, like, I'm very clear that, like, like, I even asked him about like a situation that he was like dealing with because I know he likes somebody. I was like, he's like, do you really want to talk about this? I was like, yeah. I was like, we ain't gonna be together, so we good
1: look at the boy you know what that is Changes. growth um, Ooh. yeah
0: so yeah so and then like i was like afterwards i was probably like we probably not gonna have sex again we're gonna remain friends but i don't think we're gonna have sex again good and then yeah that was about it
1: that's so great yeah how you was know your week? you know uh like i said i'm here <laughs> I didn't go to LA. <laughs> I was in my house, mm-hmm. but I watched a lot of Dynasty. Okay. Um I I'm glad
0: you haven't let it go.
1: I have not I have let it go actually. Okay. I I got up to season 6 and I said I can't do this no more.
2: Okay. Cuz it's ridiculous. See, but got I got to see Dyn-
1: Dominique Deveraux, but I think the problem, I think I had so, such high expectations mm-hmm. for her because I thought that she was going to be like this like boss bitch character. They barely got my sis up in there. And then they, how they have her sometimes, I'm like, you're not utilizing her the way I would like you to utilize her. But then I'm like, oh, it's the '80s. They kill every gay character on the show. They like, it's it's really bad. It's oh. really a problematic show. Okay. Um, but I get my life from it sometimes okay. because Joan Crawford is.
0: <laughs> come on, come on, come on chefs. here, chefs.
1: Kiss. Wow. The greatest. So <laughs> um but Diane Carroll does what she needs to do with that dumbass character.
0: Okay. Shout out to Shout Diane Shout out to yeah. Diane. R. I. P.
1: Yeah.
0: Um also speaking of a, a legend Mahalia has, like, a snippet of Eartha Kitt's interview, the one where she's like, why would I ever compromise <sighs> on her um, album? And I was like, that's a good-ass interview. And I decided, <sighs> like, in my mind, I was like, Eartha Kitt would be a good-ass eat, that guest. She really would be. She'd be ignorant as fuck.
1: You know, I always talk about- real- elegant
0: at the same time. A queen.
1: Let me stand. not say this before. Let me make sure I'm saying this is the right era. But... um. I always think what would be funny is if we went back in time or something. And mm-hmm. I, cause I'm like, maybe it's always gonna be like that. And I'm like, if we went back in time, I feel like we would be doing E pray Thought, but like at the Cotton Club and like interviewing Langston Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I am? From.
0: <laughs> I'd probably be like trying it, to fuck Langston.
1: Right? Cause you Langston, don't really allegedly,
0: do I don't really do Langston. What do I we think.
1: call him? Top Bottom of the World. Linkson. okay. He gave remember. me bottom vibes. He definitely is a, He, he
0: yeah. definitely was a bottom. He too connected with his feelings. Tops don't have that. Okay,
1: all, all right. right. <laughs> Let's introduce our guest. <laughs> they don't. They don't. Sorry. They don't. <laughs>
0: um, maybe maybe a verse top, but not. Mm-mm. Anyways, our guest. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. I promise y'all I did not have alcohol today. Um, <laughs> I had other things, but that's a whole other story. Uh <laughs> Our guest today is the the amazing Naima Cochran. She is a music industry vet, writer, and cultural critic. She is also the creator of the popular Twitter series, music, Hashtag Music Sermon. She's worked behind the scenes of the music industry, building the careers and brands of artists like John Legend, Maxwell, <laughs> the Queen, Beyonce. Mary Mary, Jadenna, and more. And the funny thing is, me and Naima worked in the same building when I was at RCA. And mm-hmm. I never met. I never came across. We never we probably, probably saw each other Yeah, in the Sony I mean, Exactly. But we never, like, officially like, crossed, right, yeah, right. the cafeteria. Ooh. I do miss the first one, not the second one. I don't know what that second
3: one Oh, yeah. I don't acknowledge um, the, the, 20, the 25th of Madison. When I'm yeah, talking uh, about Sony, yeah, I'm talking about 550. Yes, though.
0: Yes, yes. Because 550, she, she was that girl. <laughs> Club
3: 550 for life.
0: That breakfast. Ooh. <laughs> nigga that was the only time i enjoyed breakfast <laughs> anyways every busy hi please welcome naima hi Ooh.
3: now i feel bad because i don't have a whole bunch of aka's i wasn't prepared i did not know i okay. needed to have aliases you, ready you,
0: you, you want to come up with to some come rep-
3: up in here i mean i might come back towards the end of the show because okay. i don't i don't want to go top of dome because i mean y'all are so good with it, it
0: okay alright, mm, you good right. you good so if they today, come
3: today up- i'm aka nap queen Oh yes child. Cause I had to get one in before I came here, but, um, I, I might wish have I had got one. one too before yeah. I came. Yeah. Cause
0: we, we recorded two episodes today. So pray for us. Oh, God bless. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we start the episode the same way every time, which is mm-hmm. bussy pep talks, which is one reason why
2: Okay.
0: Amber, <laughs> myself and the guests are proud, are proud of ourselves or love ourselves for okay. the week. Um, I will start I think for me obviously turning 34 was huge Mm -hmm. I just I'm I'm super thankful for what 33 was um I think it was a year of just like super um really focusing on my healing really staying in my healing really working on self-love and really becoming the man that I know I could have become I wanted to always become so I'm super amen oh of (laughs) course um (laughs) so I'm happy for 33. I'm excited for 34, you know, continue blessing. I, AKA bless fat bitch pussy. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I'm sure the blessings will keep on coming. Amber, they sure will. Amen.
1: Um, I'm proud of myself this week. You know, uh, this week was a hard week for me emotionally. And like, Um, I think I would probably say this like every (laughs) every week, but um, with depression, it's like really hard for me. Like, and I get really angry that I have depression sometimes. Not sometimes, but all the time. And so, uh, I'm proud of myself this week, or at least like the end towards the end of the week. I was able to say like, okay, girl, you got this shit, and you got to figure out how to like live with this and like accept this like this is a part of you like I sometimes think sometimes I'm like I wish I couldn't I wish I wasn't like this or you know like maybe I don't know sometimes I'm just I just really resent the fact that I have depression a lot of times and I get really pissed off and so um what I'm learning is that this is what I I have depression I have a mental illness and like that is okay and that doesn't take away from me as a person um, but I also have to recognize that like if I were you know diabetic or if I had any other type of illness I would figure out ways to like you know make myself you know like help myself mm-hmm. or at least monitor what I'm doing like mm-hmm. and so I, um and not be mad at myself for it. I think. I hope I wouldn't be. Yeah. Um, so I'm just trying to allow myself a little bit more grace and I'm proud of myself for doing that this week.
3: Amen.
0: And I'm proud of you too, boo.
3: Thank you. And That's good. That's Naomi, um, your bussy pep talk. So mine are gonna sound shallow compared to um the Oh two girl, they you. can totally <laughs> they can be shallow. So yeah, we, we do well, shallow. Sometimes we go
0: deep, like sometimes okay. I, we sometimes we just thankful for the good dick we may have gotten that so week. So
3: this <laughs> week, um one of the things I'm proud of myself for is that I am actually on a mission to fight um, the fat bussy reality of my life. I'm in my 40s, y'all are still youngins. So it's like I have to make conscious choices mm. on what I'm doing. I'm not trying to be out here looking 20, but you know, you just wanna keep the clock at bay a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I've been finding it really hard with my schedule to stay on like my fitness regime and to eat the way I know I need to eat. Mm. Um, every year, like I have to be more and more careful. So this week I've actually been pretty consistent. My skin is popping. Yes, my, face is, skin is good. my fa- is. Thank you very much. I, I I work. My I have like a bajillion step um skin regime right now. But I um but it's hard because sometimes you just want to go to sleep. Amen. And you got to get up and like do all that shit. Um and I you know looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, oh my face isn't it? My face was mad bloated last week because I was eating all the salt. Um and I was like, oh, my face looks good, slimmed down. So I'm feeling very confident this week. Come on,
1: yes, that's great. Yeah.
3: So I'm proud of my discipline this week. I guess that's awesome.
1: Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your skin care routine?
3: Oh, sure. <laughs> I so, love skin routine. So what I will start by saying is that um I am blessed with good genes. Yes. Um so all of my care, hair care, skin care has always been very minimal. Okay. The only thing I really ever had to fight with was my weight. Mm-hmm. um, And that's been my entire life. But... Uh, same. Yeah. But I realized <laughs> last year when I started my entrepreneur joint... Oh, that's the only other thing I'm proud of. I felt... I really felt like a person who had their shit together this week. And as somebody who recently started working for themselves, that's like... That's a very good space to be in. Um, I cannot say
0: the same. <laughs>
3: yeah, you'll get... But, like, you know, but prayerfully, you'll get there. It, it And it takes time. And there's some weeks where I really don't feel like that at all. So... This was the week I was able to throw a friend a little extra something. You know what I mean? Like mm. it was it's a good space to feel like you're in. But um last year, when I first started working for myself, you know, I was broke. Mm. And not only was I broke, but I used to have access to like gift bags, goodie bags. You know, people would send stuff to my artist. I just keep some of it, you know. So I just always had mad products. Every- I was like the product. You queen.
0: know how many times stuff people send me shit for Tanache yeah. and she did not get it. It just
3: right. <laughs> I was like, like, this girl, I ain't buying it. It. she only what? comes
0: to come to new york four or five times a yeah. year i forgot
3: yeah like you just or, or sometimes they just don't want it and you just like take it so i will always have all kinds of like one of my friends at my house was like sephora and i never had a consistent routine but i always did just want to make sure i didn't look sleepy mm-hmm. and make sure my skin didn't look dry and i saw a picture of myself when i was on like european promo tour a couple years ago and i knew that the day the picture had been taken, it was early in the morning. I had had like zero sleep for like multiple days and I had on no makeup. I knew this and my skin looked amazing. And I was like, bitch, where's that skin? Cause my skin had been looking like dull and I'd been looking tired and I sleep like on my side. So there's like creases happening. So I was like, all right, nah, you got to get it together. Hmm. And I knew I had things in the house. I went out and spent fucking money to buy some more stuff because the other thing is once you get past a certain age them drugstore products ain't gonna get it you gotta spend some coin it's pricey but it makes a difference yeah so now my routine is usually a combo of washing my face um sometimes with the um what's the little brushy thing the clarisonic Mm -hmm. sometimes Mm -hmm. just regular so a wash a toner um a um the sk2 Thing to add the moisture back in okay. um a, and then a serum and then an eye cream and then a moisturizer and then a sunblock but there may be like but at night there may be like two serums and like something that has you know a lifter in it mm-hmm. or you know something that has some kind of acid in it or something that and i also have the um the glow pro derma roller Mm-hmm. which is like the needling mm. thing you can do at home so i'm obsessed with microneedling because i'm trying to stave off fillers not like a whole botox situation but just a little mm-hmm. you know just something to prevent like you know, the you're not suppo- yeah because yeah. you're not actually supposed to wait the, the problem the thing that people don't realize is that we think that all work looks like bad work mm-hmm. and there are so many people who get regular little he's gonna and we don't know because mm-hmm. you're not supposed to know
1: right
0: exactly. you just
3: supposed to look refreshed mm-hmm. you're just supposed to like you get rest
0: and that, that's that, it and you know i thought of somebody as soon as you said that yeah. but i'm not gonna say who that you just is. are
3: always supposed to look like a bitch who got some rest and drinks a lot of water Ooh. that's how you're supposed, supposed to, to look. look so there's really no shame in it mm-hmm. the shame is in trying to make it so extreme that yeah. You look like a whole different person. So yeah. Gotcha. So that's that's what my regime is about right now. It's like how long can I can I hold off until I gotta go get some fillers? Okay. Yeah.
1: Well um, your skin looks amazing. You I, look I thank amazing. You, for that. you do. I do
3: thank you for that. Like I said, most of it is genetics, but that last twenty five percent I gotta I gotta put some effort in. Look, look. <laughs> mm-hmm. Never mind. <laughs>
1: I'm like, oh, I need
3: to uh, up my serums. <laughs> your skin, both of y'all, your skin's a, your skin's glowing, both of you. Thank you. I don't depression. Say no circle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when people ask me what's my skin, depression and stress.
1: Okay.
3: Um,
0: it does wonders. So I also,
1: I do a little. I've been doing a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Not I. I mean, I wash my face and I do toner. I do moisturizer. So I'm mm-hmm. I also am blessed but i take this like hum hum nutrition oh
3: yeah i'm familiar with their stuff
1: and i take um like their daily cleanse and that is also really good because it just like kind of takes away like all the impurities and all that stuff so yeah yeah, i like that
0: look shout out to y'all
1: come on skincare routine and if y'all got you know tips
0: come on
3: yeah
1: send them away
0: send your pussy care r- r- your
3: pussy r- care routine because some of
0: y'all got some ugly butts um anyways i love y'all though <laughs> this
3: is skincare expands beyond the face Hello.
0: A- amen
1: Azealia banks taught us that oh God.
0: Sorry to that woman. Uh, (laughs) Sorry to that woman. Anyway, as always, we start the podcast with EAT. We're going to just jump right into it, Naima. Mm -hmm. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm
3: always ready to talk about some food now. But listen, I'm a greedy bitch. (laughs) Yes. Welcome. I love love food. You're in the right
1: place.
0: You're right. You came to the right right place. Who is an artist that reminds you of food? And also, yeah, who's the artist that reminds you of food? Jill Scott. Jill Scott.
3: Well, I think because yes. she she talks about it a lot in her music. Okay. But Jill always makes me think of some cooking. Jill, Patty, and Aretha feel like soul food.
0: Okay, so yeah. when you think of so when you think of Jill, you think of soul food.
3: When I think of Jill, I think of soul food. Yes. Okay. Like don't she don't she look like she just look yeah. like there would be some greens, and <laughs> some like she look like she's cooking. This is fair. This she is looks fair. like she's cooking. Oh, and, and and I think it's probably because th- it's become a joke for so long. Um, Anthony Hamilton sounds yeah. like somebody's cooking some um, ham hocks.
0: Yeah. Very much so. He sounds like He looks like that. He actually look, sounds like diabetes. So
3: cool. <laughs> like he sounds like country ham in a he biscuit. Look,
0: <laughs> yeah, he looked <laughs> like Big Mama Your Arm. He, that's what he reminds. He truly me. does. He sounds like Big Mama Your Arm, and I worked with <laughs> Han- Anthony, so I can tell you.
3: And I mean, that's not that's not an insult at all. That but is the biggest
0: compliment. It's a compliment. Exactly. Yeah. Because
1: exactly. Big Mama Your Arm was comforting. Exactly. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Jill reminds me of Grits. That's. Yeah. I mean, because she sings, she sang it. But you
3: also too. believe her. You believe that Jill is gonna get up. Yeah. After some dick. Yeah. And cook you some food. She sang it. And it in then the song. bring the food to the bed. So y'all can eat the food in the bed and then have sex again and then get up and eat some more food.
1: That
0: sounds good.
3: That's what she... But I believe that of her. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that of her.
0: As you should. Yeah. So what's a dish or meal that instantly reminds you of South Carolina?
3: So people are going to expect me to say something that is traditionally Southern, but it's actually something that reminds me specifically of my South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And that is the good old church fellowship plate fried chicken Some green beans, some collard greens, a dinner roll, some sweet tea, and some ham. Mm -hmm. Anytime I have that kind of plate, it takes me back to growing up in my family's home church. And like after every big church program, you go to the back. My aunts and cousins and them would all be cooking. My cousin Ann made the fried chicken. Come on. Um, my godmother made the
1: roll. <laughs> I'm just laughing at cousin Ann because I got an Auntie Ann <laughs> yeah. and she from a country too.
3: <laughs> Listen, you got to have it right. My, my great grandmother made the coconut cake. Like, mm. you know what I mean? Like, you, you it, it was one of them. Like, you didn't have to ask who made it because you knew who made it
2: mm, type thing.
3: On. So, those plates. And then even the things I didn't eat, there'd always be somebody who has some cucumbers and some vinegar, which is random. You know what I mean? Like just a little, mm-hmm. some fried okra somewhere. Those kind of plates just remind me of my, my home. They remind me of South Carolina. They remind me of my family in South Carolina.
1: Okay. Where yeah. in South Carolina are you from?
3: So I, well actually I'm technically from New York. I was born in New York, but I grew up in Greenville, South Carolina. Okay. Yeah. So my grandparents were both from South Carolina. My family is a great migration story. So after mm. college, both my grandparents, their siblings, their co- like everybody came north. That was mm-hmm. just what they all did. And then um, when my parents got divorced, my grandfather asked my mother to go back down south because my great-grandmother was getting older. Mm-hmm. He didn't want her to live by herself. So we moved back down, and my mom got remarried, and we you know stayed there for a while, and then I came back.
0: Got gotcha. you. Where are you from yeah. in New York?
3: Cool. Um, Harlem. Well, my family's from the Bronx, but I've always lived in Harlem. Okay. And now I live in Washington Heights, but I
0: was (laughs) like, my family's from Bridge. Yeah. Ooh, child. Mm, I just thought about the Bronx steak. Anyways, um, fuck (laughs) him. But it was good. Favorite Bronx meal? I mean, favorite. Ooh, child. Ooh, that's my style. No, no. no, Sorry, sorry. Favorite broke meal. Favorite broke meal. My favorite. I don't know why I said Bronx because I just looked.
3: (laughs) Um. My mom used to finesse some ramen noodles. Like, she'd take them um, and leave the packet out and put, like, some ground beef and some vegetables. Like, she turned it into a whole mm-hmm. stir-fry situation. Your mom so can I cook still, then. My mom can absolutely cook. I didn't even realize it was a broke meal um, till much later on. And But my broke meal is honestly just, like, a good um, turkey, uh, a ground turkey spaghetti. Cause you make a whole big old pot of turkey and some sauce and get that pasta. That shit can last you for a week and some change. That's my favorite broken Yes. Yeah.
0: But you know spaghetti after like that third day. Starts, <laughs> starts like, yeah, Whoa. I
3: mean, but still, it's spaghetti. In yeah. Now. You
0: just be like, woo. <laughs> That's like the third or fourth day is when it starts to taste like poverty.
1: Yeah. True. Yeah. Sometimes True. the second day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know spaghetti. Because I used to have spaghetti a lot growing up. Mm -hmm. Right. And I didn't realize it was a broke meal (laughs) until later. Um, but uh I had it a lot growing up, so I I just used to be like, if we have spaghetti one more fucking time, (laughs) I'm gonna fucking scream. I'm gonna I don't even eat spaghetti now because of that. Mm. Because I just can't I just can't eat. You gotta make it it your own.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love spaghetti.
1: I can do like other pastas, but not
3: but not spaghetti. Yeah.
1: Um so one Of your music sermons and playlists that you do is cookout essentials. So what are some like essential cookout foods Foods? that you need?
3: So obviously for everybody there's gotta be some burger situations. Mm -hmm. That's just a basic. Mm -hmm. If you are so there's a difference between cookout and barbecue. That's the other thing that people need to understand. Mm. Every cookout ain't a barbecue.
1: What's the difference? The
3: difference is a barbecue, you got like a smoke, like it's like it's not just a grill, there's like a smoker. Mm. There's somebody who like does this right. Barbecues have like ribs and shit. A cookout doesn't necessarily have ribs. Mm. A barbecue got ribs. You got, got some you. beans, like a barbecue. Like just having barbecue chicken does not mean it is a barbecue. You have to have some actual like.
1: Come on, Naima. Foods
3: that like. Cause barbecue is an art form. Mm-hmm. I think people don't really realize that. It mm-hmm. is. It's an art form. Like there are competitions for the shit. You know what I mean? There ain't no cookout competition. There are barbecue competitions, right? So it's like, so there has to be like, there needs to be a nigga with some keys on his belt, right? Who?
0: <laughs> Who most likely is a Q? <laughs>
3: right? Who might be a Q? <laughs> you know, he might be a deacon. He got a he got a uh, or he both or he exactly. both. <laughs> he got a towel over his shoulder. Yep. You I know see what I'm it. saying? You see it, right? Mm-hmm. He got some jorts. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a uniform. <laughs> he got on them sandals. He got, he got on them sandals, <laughs> but he needs the to brown be, leather ones yes, that cover the toes. But he needs to be behind a smoker. Like it needs to be behind something that costs some money that you don't bring into the garage that stays on the side of the house all year long or under a tarp. Like it needs to be mm-hmm. like some like it cooks with propane. You know what I mean? Like it can't just be you threw some charcoal in there and some lighter fluid. That's a that's cute that's a cookout a barbecue requires some actual equipment going on <laughs> Come, on. i'm just saying come on not for this <laughs>
1: distinction
3: it's true is there is a difference but for cookouts and some people vary on this because it's outdoors but i do believe you have to have some potato salad you just have to eat the potato salad early okay because it's mayonnaise based obviously you gotta have some kind of corn on the cob situations going um. So there definitely has, but the, but the main things are definitely like you gotta have some chicken, you gotta have some burgers. Other than that, you can kind of finesse it a little bit. Okay. But barbecue, there must be ribs present. Mm. If there is not at least, and rib, it's not a barbecue. <laughs> and,
1: and rib, and
3: <laughs> there has to be ri- some pork, like some real pork situations going on. <laughs> I.
0: And rib.
3: I'm
0: about so I'm the, just,
3: this singular girl, can I, rib.
0: Can I, have, can I have and rib? No, I just want and rib. Yeah. Not rib. And rib.
3: Gotcha. Like somebody needed to be up in the morning behind a grill for four hours. Cause barbecue food ain't quick.
1: True. Very true. Uh, a real word.
3: It ain't quick. No.
1: Oh, I love this distinction. Yeah.
3: No. It um quick. it's a real thing.
1: What do you so you make music sermons on Twitter? What do you usually like eat before you do the sermon?
3: Honestly, people might be disappointed to know like it's not I end up rushing to eat before sermons just because Mm. I can't I can't really eat and do them at the same time because that's when like I end up with mad gaps in -hmm. between time. So honestly, I wish I could say that there's some really sexy meal that I eat to get in, in the headspace for it. But it's mostly just like, I'm hungry. Let me eat something. Mm-hmm. Because they take a long time, mm-hmm. which is why I've kind of fallen off a little bit. I haven't had the bandwidth. And I'm trying to get back in routine. But they're like a whole day commitment because I have to spend part of time like getting my clips in order, making mm-hmm. notes, do all that other stuff. Then I'll look at the time and I'll be like, okay, let me eat something real quick. And then once I get started, like I could easily be gone for three or four hours. Mm-hmm. So it really is just more like let me eat something. Then like and I, but I tend to snack a lot during them. I try to make sure whatever I need is close by, so I don't have to like get up and go to the fridge. Or
2: mm-hmm.
3: something. Okay. Um, and my go-to snack at all times, no matter what I'm doing is not exciting, but it's grapes. So, if nothing else, there's some grapes. That's healthy. Mm-hmm. It's healthy, but I eat them because, like, I just love sugar. And so, I will Do you like frozen grapes? I used to eat frozen grapes a lot. They, they're, um, I don't eat them as much as I used to, but that used to be my thing. I used to eat frozen grapes. So, for frozen grapes, I need white grapes. I was going to ask. But my go-to grapes on the regular are red grapes. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a, yeah, I have particulars. It's yeah,
1: like I was going to ask you, is it red, green, it's white? red. And like
3: mm-hmm. literally, it's kind of a joke. If there is nothing else in my house, there's grapes. Like it's the first, when I get up in the morning, I go to the refrigerator, I get a handful of grapes. And I like walk through the house eating grapes while I'm doing. What- and it's such a habit that I don't even think about. It. So if there's nothing else in my refrigerator, there's going to be some grapes in my refrigerator. Since I was in high school, I don't know where it came from.
0: I love it's it, It's such a
3: weird habit. I don't know where it came from.
0: <laughs> I love it, though. And now I want some grapes. I know. I want some frozen grapes I in know. particular. I'm going to go get some of damn grapes <laughs> and eat some tonight. Um, what's an unlikely food combination that you know is weird but you absolutely love?
3: Oh, man. I was trying to figure this out because I'm sure there is one. I don't know that this is specifically weird, but... I think the way I eat it is weird. So, if I eat grits and eggs, I have to mix them together before I eat them. Like, I mix them up, put the butter and salt and pepper in the whole thing. Like, I eat them as a unit. Okay. Mm. If they're both on my plate, I'm not going to eat them separately. I have to combine them. Um, But I don't know of an actual weird food combo. I don't think I have anything that's really, like, off like that. Okay. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm
0: I'm not mad at the grits
1: and yeah, because I don't think I hear people say that I need to eat the grits and the eggs together. Yeah, I need yeah. to
3: eat them together. As a matter of fact, I, and that, and it came to mind because I was in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago. And one of my friends was like, how come you have so, so much more grits than me? And I was like, no, I've mixed my eggs up in my grits, which makes it look like it. they were like, really? But I've done it. I think it's because that's how my mom used to make it for me. That's mm-hmm. how she served it to me. Oh. So that's how I've eaten them ever since. Come it's on. really good, though. It's very tasty. Yeah,
1: because I like when my grits kind of meat with the egg yeah. and so I eat it together but I never thought to just like make a bowl of grits and eggs together.
3: Yeah. If they're on a the plate together it's a whole situation going on. Do you
1: put like cheese, salt and all that stuff? Or? Um,
3: I don't need cheese on my grits and when I do make cheese grits I make cheese grits um with Gruyere cheese. Mm-hmm um and chicken stock instead of boiling them in water my grits are amazing um but (laughs)
0: come on advertising come (laughs) on um, just in case Jill ain't the only one
3: Jill ain't the only (laughs) one boo I take my grits very seriously um but no I don't necessarily need cheese grits but I need a lot of butter and a lot of salt and pepper I like savory Mm -hmm. they have to be very very savory so that means no sugar in my grits um heathens who think that's appropriate
1: I agree, because you're from the South, though. Yeah,
3: we don't put... Grits are a savory food. You want sugar, eat some porridge. Like, it's not... Or yeah. some cream of wheat. That's, that's I disagree, what, but, you know... Mm-mm.
1: Or oatmeal.
3: Or some oatmeal. Yeah, mm-hmm. grits are savory. They not sweet. No, that's not what's for They're meant to be put next to, like, sausage and fried fish and eggs. And there ain't no sugar on that.
0: Mm-mm. Wow, but...
3: Oh, I do... Well, it's not really weird. People think it's weird when I do this, but it's not weird because now people package it together. But... From the time I was a little kid, I have poured maple syrup on my plate to eat with sausage. And people always thought it was strange. But obviously, motherfuckers sell maple sausages and shit. So clearly, I was a genius. But it's like... (laughs) You ahead of your time. (laughs) But people think it's weird when they see me do it. I'm like, but you will buy a maple sausage. But you think it's weird to see me put maple syrup on my pork sausage.
1: Is it because, are you, how much syrup are you putting on this sausage? I mean, it's
3: not a ton, but if there's syrup available and I'm eating right?
1: (laughs) there was an inflection in your voice when you said,
3: I mean, it's not a, I mean.
0: That that, that shows that it's a lot. And
3: that made me think one other thing and then I'm going to move on. So I got dragged on Twitter because I put honey in my collard greens. It's not a lot of honey, but I do like a balance of sweet and savory. It's not a lot of honey. But it's a little bit of honey just to balance out, like... The tartness. The and right, tar- yeah. yeah. And people, like, dr- like I got dragged by my friends for I don't know how long. Like, I even put honey in... Coll- and it's not like I put, like, it's not like they're honey-coated... Coll- like, <laughs> my stepdad used to be like, you trying to make Frosted Flake collard greens? No, it's not like honey-coated collard greens. It's just a little bit... Mm-hmm. of sweetness and before i have also put some syrup in them instead of honey but it just it just gives a little hint of sweetness in your, in your i'm not
1: mad at it yeah yeah because i've put like but a, i also put sugar in my grits. so
3: right well <laughs>
1: <laughs> i was gonna say i just put like a dash of sugar in the greens
3: just yeah, so a, little, a, bit, the just the just a little bit just a little yeah, bit exactly it's the same concept. Yeah, yeah yeah. okay yeah
0: so when you're gonna go into pray we start pray the same way every time okay what is your passion
3: um well obviously part of my passion is music but beyond music it's, i think it's culture in general mm-hmm. um i've always been a pop culture nerd but what i realized so she's Y'all trying heard, to open her, this I, I'm about to to girl say- just do it just do it i was trying to get it out the, <laughs> the mic just do it
0: <laughs> and we're trying to eat her scooby snacks <laughs> first of all shout out
3: shout out to scooby snacks Snacks, because they're really good they're really good they're so good i didn't know they were a thing and i'm really excited because i was i loved scooby when i was a kid
1: oh my goodness are Are you about to i know that's why i was like
3: i was having a hard time (laughs) um but yeah so my passion is culture period and 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 black shit like black culture and just um celebrating it in a very real way and not just celebrating it, but celebrating like why different parts of black culture are important and mm-hmm. what the context is around them. I love storytelling, which is really what music sermon is and what the writing is and even what marketing, you know, mm-hmm. is right. Because I for really, first so, for, for, person people. For people. Yes. <laughs> um, because, uh, I feel because context is important Mm -hmm. and I feel like one of the things that social media has kind of killed for us is the concept of context because we'll take like a bite of something and just run with it be it a story be it a rumor be it um a piece of art like we're just going off of this one little thing without Mm -hmm. everything else that that goes around it so like you were talking about how underutilized Dominique Devereaux was when that was the first black character of her time they probably didn't know what to really do with her. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, Diane Carroll was like, I'm gonna be the first black bitch on TV. Let's make it happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and also just the 80s was terrible TV in general. But that's what people loved about it. It's a soap opera. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> um, but yeah, I just, um, I'm passionate about culture and I'm passionate about how our people take shit and flip it. I'm passionate about how things do persist over the years and evolve and change and just what those lines and those dots that connect all look like. I'm I'm just passionate about all of that. I love
1: it. I love that too. Yeah. I love because I, I I feel very similarly, mm-hmm. and um. But I do think sometimes it's a little bit hard. At least like, what I, what I like about now is like you can have like creative outlets to talk about that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it right. is very hard to just want to talk about black shit and black culture, right? Uh, and get you know paid for it. But the sometimes. thing about
3: I think the thing about black culture is that there are connections to white things that sometimes people don't see. Mm-hmm. And you can talk about it in contrast and in comparison to whiteness. So like this week I got into I stumbled into a conversation about Gen X I'm an Xer on Twitter. And one of the things I said was that even even for black Gen Xers, like if you want to understand Gen Xers, watch Ferris bueller Day Off. And even though that's a white ass movie it's a universal movie mm-hmm. and all black kids who grew up in that era know that movie and love that movie. You know what I mean? So there mm-hmm. was just, cause, um, there was a time when even black culture still interceded with, even before we crossed over per se, mm-hmm. there was a lot more, um, awareness with all of us because like, yo MTV raps came on and then you just left MTV on. And then it was like, you know, Nirvana videos. And then mm-hmm. it was like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Red Hot Chili Peppers videos. So we we knew all that shit. Mm-hmm. You know, and we were influenced by it and we fucked with it. And, you know, and then on the flip side, white kids were watching UMTV raps, which is how rap started becoming mainstream. So there are intersections. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: That's how I feel about coolest
3: about coolers clueless, clueless. Oh, clueless. clueless. No, <laughs> yes no, no. i was like about why uh, coolers. no no, uh, no, no. yeah, about about yes, yes, yeah. Yes, yes. i feel
0: like that's a universal film
3: yeah clueless mm-hmm. and heathers like i hear people talk about both like all the time like those mm-hmm. those are things that you know generationally you gravitate towards regardless of
2: mm-hmm. what
3: your individual experience might have been you can find something in there mm-hmm. that you relate to right and i think that now Sometimes there is an importance of talking about black culture separate from white culture and how it differs from white culture, but it's not always a, y'all do this and we do this. Sometimes it is a, y'all do this and we did this, which was kind of the same. Like, when I was talking about Ferris Bueller, I offered as a counterpoint, I offered house party. Both of them were about, like, we out here and we're going to do what we do and we need the adults to not be involved, and all kind of hijinks ensue. You know what I mean? It was, like, some similar things up in there. Yeah.
1: So... uh, I guess, like, why, when you say Ferris Bueller and house party mm-hmm. um, with Gen X, like, are you saying that y'all just party a lot? Like, what are you no. saying about them as so, Mesa? the
3: conversation I was having about Gen X was that, um, w- so, we get, we get a lot of heat now from millennials and, and from z- what somebody calls Zoomers, Gen Z. Like, it's our fault that the boomers are still, like, in control of everything. But I was like, what you need to understand about Gen X is that First of all, we're the smallest generation. And the Boomers have been the living, the biggest living generation until like a year ago. So we were like way outnumbered. Second of all, we were a generation of only kids, divorced parents, um, you know, whatever. And the Boomers were the first generation of parents who both parents were out of the household working on careers, not just jobs, but like mm-hmm. careers. They were the first generation of family planning, which is why Gen Xers are the smallest generation because they were the first generation to have birth control. And they had been the first generation of teenagers. So they were the first generation who learned that it was about them. They were literally called the me generation. Mm -hmm. Um, So they were doing them. And we were just off on our own devices. So we didn't necessarily learn so much how to fight the system. We learned how to work around the system. Like We didn't try to change rules. We just broke rules. And that's where Ferris Bueller's Day Off comes in because, I mean, the whole movie is like, he's skipping school. He's like finessing his way into this like five-star restaurant Mm -hmm. he's you know got his friend's car out they go to like the cubs game they take over like a street fair like there were 50 million times Ferris should have tapped out
2: yeah you know he got
3: all kinds of covers phone numbers you could call they faking funeral homes like it's Mm -hmm. all kind of schemes and everything in order to like Kind your parents who think you're at home sick and, you know, you got to kind of coddle them because they don't know no better, but fuck this principal over here. We're not, we're going to make his life miserable and we're going to get over on these people over here. That's, that's like how we operated. Mm-hmm. Um, An emergency comes up, his friend's about to have a heart attack. He's like, we got it. We're going to figure it out. Like the entire point for us was always like calling an adult, quote unquote adult mm-hmm. or help, was always like the very last effort. So where you see frustration with Gen Xers when Millennials are immediately like, "We need to change this. This is an outrage of how do you do this." We be like, "Dude, cause our 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 default is just like just okay. You don't like the way it is. Just do some other shit. Like that. That's the way we are. Whereas Millennials are like we don't like the way it is. We're gonna change it. And I'm not saying that you guys are wrong. I'm just saying our, we weren't programmed that way.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
3: of course now it's a different era. And there are there is a need to change systems. But at the time, it just, it didn't even seem possible. So we would tell people in authority whatever they want to hear, and then go off and do whatever the fuck we were going to do. And that's how hip-hop came to be, you know what I mean? That's how, you know, the digital era evolved, that's how you ended up with, like, the music of the 90s and the fashion of the 90s, and think about it, every movie and TV show you've seen from the late 80s and 90s, it's all about kids who are either sneaking around their parents, openly defying their parents, or authority figures, or teachers, or Mm -hmm. even, like, Going into movies like Slackers and stuff like that, even like your bosses, it was all about just like, I know what y'all said I need to do, but fuck that. I'm going to do this other thing just to get by. And that's how we moved. Interesting. Okay, Gen X, shout out to y'all. And I think if you understand that about us, it helps you understand us a little better. It's just not our instinct to deconstruct existing systems and fix them not saying we can't learn to do that mm-hmm. it's just not what we grew up doing right and and we kind of grew up on some old like i'm gonna just i'm gonna just figure this out i'm gonna i locked myself out of the house i'm not gonna call my mom i'm climb through a window you know what i mean like like mm-hmm. literally that, but that's how that was our approach to life we gonna figure it out
0: <laughs> i'm not mad at that, I'm not mad at that. <laughs> yeah yeah so you actually discussed like in the beginning like working for yourself, so right. um, how did you decide to transition from working at the label and just working in the music industry to working for yourself?
3: Um, well the f- I left the label life twice three times. Well, there's twice that counted. So the first time I, <laughs> the first time I left the label side, I wasn't having fun anymore, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and to understand that, what you have to know is that I started on the label side in 1998 when we had a lot of budgets, um, when we, there was just a lot of money, we were all outside, everybody was young, there was still like, just, you could still just do anything. Like, you could Mm -hmm. be 25 and be a fucking vice president. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you could, or get a label deal or do whatever. Um, and there was just a lot of money. So, like, basically. A lot of money. The vi- if for those of you who are like in your early thirties or even younger than thirty, I really need y'all to understand that the videos that you guys see from the late nineties, we re- it was really exactly like that outside. Like parties were exactly, parties were exact. I'm not even exaggerating. Parties were exactly like that, exactly like that. Um, there wasn't Dang. yet like the VIPs, like you go into Justin's and everybody's just there or Shark Bar. Shout out to Shark Bar. Um. It was just really fun. It was a lot of fun. It was a mm-hmm. lot of energy, and there was a lot of creativity. And like I said, there was still a lot of possibility because not we hadn't reached the heights of potential of urban music and hip hop and everything yet. So by the time we you know we get to like two thousand fourteen, two thousand fifteen, I was just kind of like, eh, eh. you know I'm getting hit over the head like we're signing people based on algorithms and. You know my artists who really need budgets, like their budgets are getting cut, and you know we don't believe in this radio single. And oh, Sony says we can't put out any more sampler. Like it just it was too it was too much. It was too much red tape. There are no black people in charge anymore. I feel like my artists aren't appreciated. So I decided I wanted to try to go over into television. So Ooh. I went to so I went to Nickelodeon. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I work I, I, in television. Right. Well, so I went to Nickelodeon as a means of getting into the Viacom system. My thought was I'll be at Nickelodeon for like a year, and then maybe I'll move to like an MTV, a BET, a VH1, or something. I was incredibly bored. Um, no shots to Nickelodeon, but I was bored. Um, and then Epic called me, and I went right back to Sony. Like I was gone for nine months. Like I was gone for such a short period of time that when I got back to Sony, all my logins still worked. Like that's how short of time I was gone. <laughs> like they didn't even have to onboard me. Like I was just like, wait, let me try. Oh, my shit is all still here. Um, <laughs> so
0: I don't know if that's a
1: good or
3: bad thing. It was a hilarious. scary I mean, it thing, made, it made things very easy.
1: I'm telling you, I might go back. <laughs> I might go to music. <laughs>
3: Well, it's just not the same as it used to be. It's the ghetto, child. It's the ghetto
1: too. No,
0: but the music industry is the real, like
3: yeah, it's just it's it's,
1: another ghetto.
3: You know, it's a different. It's a different. Yeah, it's a a different. Everybody thinks this is the ghetto. So I went. So I went to Epic, and um, before I had even gotten to Epic, John Legend. Um, who was my artist at Columbia, had asked me if I'd be interested in in coming on as part of his management team. But his, another part of his management team was taking him and starting a new management company. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had to kind of wait to see how that transition was gonna shake out. And so when they were ready, I left to go and work with John. And John was the was the only artist who ever asked me to work with him on the management side that I was actually willing to do because he's actually like a normal person. Um, and, and most managers are just like children. Um, like he reads emails and he writes. finally actually...
0: someone gets me,
3: yeah. <laughs> someone sees me. Oh my God, they're seen. so tiring. Ooh, like management is a big babysitting job. It has perks, it can be great sometimes, but you have to really be careful the talent that you choose to work with because they will drain you. Drain you. So anyway, went to work with John. That lasted about two years, and I I had gotten to a point, um, at the end of 2017, I was like, okay, you know what, I need to spend 2018 kind of figuring out, um... If I want to work for myself and what that looks like, mm-hmm. people have been pushing me to do it for a very long time. And and the thing was, you know, I just have a lot of interest that I weren't able to explore. I wasn't able to fully explore
2: mm-hmm.
3: on my own as long as I was work. As long as my job was was helping talent, other talent, I couldn't really grow my talent. Mm. But so much, right? And um, I was like, all right, let me spend a year getting set up. And what happened was, um, Combat Jack died, and. Right bef- three days before Combat Jet died, his law partner, his former law partner Ed, Wood's died, hmm. and Ed and Reggie dying so soon back to back just made me realize time was very short, mm-hmm. and I needed to start thinking about like how to really a be good with be be good in where I was right, not mm-hmm. just like treading water, not just marking time, but like, am I really doing something that makes me happy? Am I really doing something that's impactful? and like what what do i want my my legacy to be like when all is said and done like how do i want to have changed culture mm-hmm. or music or whatever or people or whatever and the day of Reggie's funeral my boss at the time called me about some bullshit cuz it was over christmas break mm-hmm. it's like the thursday before we all come back to work and i was mm-hmm. like bitch this can totally wait till monday and she was just getting on my nerves and i was like i'm done and i didn't mean to but I, it just came out before I even th- thought about it, I was like, I'm giving you my two months notice. I can't do it anymore. And Wait, I, you
0: gave her two months?
3: Well, because That's it so was... so nice. Well, really, I did that for, for John more than anything. Um, and because it, there was a lot of transition to happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So, like, two weeks would have just not... Yeah. It's not... It's, like, not possible. So, I was like, I'm giving you my two months notice. And um, and I thought I was going to have a panic attack after I did it. And I did it. Now, mind you, I had no money saved. I'd already spent my Christmas bonus. Like, I was just I was just out here. And but it just from that moment, even at my point where I was digging, literally digging under couch cushions, like, can I get this twenty cent together to go? You know, give me some now or later to have some sugar so I don't pass out. You know what I mean? Like something. Okay. You know what I mean? Like even in those moments, I never regretted it. Mm-hmm. I never regretted it. And and it is not easy. It is very hard. Um, I knew it was gonna be hard when I did it. That was always my fear of doing mm-hmm. it were those moments when it's like feast or famine, you know right but it was the most affirming thing I ever did hmm. for myself. I'm a little mad it took me so long to do it, but yeah, it was the most affirming you thing did I it at the right time yeah. yeah yeah, yeah, the universe was pushing me to do it, yeah like honestly
0: ain't that funny how the universe will just push- the
3: universe you know, God <sighs> will be like, girl. <laughs> If you don't get your ass. about, I always mm-hmm. tell people my conversations with God, like, if y'all could hear how I talk to God, people would probably think it's blasphemous. But I'd be like, he under... Like, this is how we communicate. Right. I've asked
0: God for dick. Like, i have <laughs> literally... Like, I have asked God for dick. Like, i have like, God, it... I need it. Like, I know... And does
3: he respond?
0: He's responded sometimes. Or sometimes he's just like, I'm to need you to chill. Sometimes he's been like, I'm gonna need you to chill. <laughs> right. But... The yeah. times of serious desperation,
2: <laughs> he
0: fact, came mm,
3: through. Mm, <laughs>
0: mm, mm, shout yeah. out to God,
3: but it it really was. I really did feel like it was that. I really did feel like it was God being like, "Listen, I done told you, I done shown you, I've given you hints." I've given you opportunities, you're Mm -hmm. ignoring it, like get off your ass. Mm -hmm. And what did happen was like even when my bank account would be empty or even when like I was in housing court, like I'm going to be really transparent. Even when I was in housing court over my rent, there would always be like a phone call or an email or something with another opportunity. So I really I could see the sprouts of the seeds. I just knew it was a matter of waiting
2: Mm -hmm. for them
3: to truly bear fruit but I but there was always forward progression and I mean I'm that's my story I'm not saying that will be everybody's story I realize Mm -hmm. that my story is unusual and I also feel very I don't want to say blessed because I don't want to say that I'm more deserving than anyone else but I feel very fortunate that things aligned in a way that you know I haven't really had to chase a lot and mm-hmm. I understand that's abnormal. So I'm definitely not out here telling everybody like quit your job and just go out there. Mm-hmm. But what I am saying is that you will feel nudges sometimes. Mm-hmm. You'll feel nudges, you'll feel tugs, you'll feel pushes, you'll feel pulls. When that happens, that means it's time for you to move. Yep. Like but but that has to there are signals that you will see that say it's time in your life for you to Take this path. When that happens, you need to move and usually the universe will conspire with you. Not just because fuck my boss, I'm out. But there are times when you will know in your mm-hmm. soul like there's something else. There's something mm-hmm. else that's pulling me. When that is happening, mm-hmm. that's when you gotta move.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And even when you feel and that... that right,
0: y'all, there is a sermon.
1: Go yeah. on. <laughs> uh, that's bussy sermon. Bussy Amen. Sermon.
3: <laughs> um, And even
1: when you feel those tugs and you don't do anything... Mm-hmm. I've learned that it still happens anyway. Oh
3: yeah, you will be, you will be, you will be, be forced moved. out. Yeah. You will be moved if you do not move. Yeah. Yes, you will be moved if you, and it's uncomfortable, but it's, it's also mm-hmm. supposed to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the shit is supposed to be uncomfortable because you're supposed to grow, mm-hmm. right? So if you're not uncomfortable, you're not going to grow. Right. So I've been given opportunities where I've been like, I don't know if I can do this. Am I qualified for this? Like the imposter syndrome is so real. <sighs> it's so real it. it's so real but then i'm like you know what this opportunity wouldn't come to me if it wasn't supposed to come to me right. and it's been an opportunity to grow and to learn and you know again it's supposed to, it's supposed to be uncomfortable
1: mm-hmm.
3: it's a, not necessarily well yeah difficult not necessarily like it's beating you down but they're supposed to be discomfort yeah, yeah. they're supposed to be discomfort absolutely, absolutely. yeah
0: so you kind of, like, spoke about this. Mm. Obviously, Comeback Jack and y'all relationship. Mm. Right. Um, and kind of, how did, any, any other ways, did his, how did his death change you? And what do you miss most about him?
3: Um, So the thing about Reggie that I always admired was that he reinvented himself, like, five different times. Um, there are really not, I was talking to a DJ about this, actually, not too long before I came here. Because we were talking about Bobby Brown. And it inevitably led to this conversation that, like, if you've been in this game since, the 90s and you're still actively in entertainment in any way shape form or fashion you kind of feel like a survivor um you got like you kind of feel like yeah but you kind of feel like you made it to the other side because so many of us didn't either career wise or financially or you know unfortunately ones who got killed or killed themselves or you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. so, a lot of us just didn't make it and and, and I'm talking about people who barely hit 50 you know what I mean like a Chris Lighty or a Shakira Stewart or Reggie, you know, and it's like, so I when Reg died, um, I thought about, because I'd always told him he was one of my inspirations in terms of being able to find different ways to keep this thread of entertainment and culture, but do it differently. Mm-hmm. So Reg went from being a lawyer to writing a book to then being like an editor in chief of the source to then, you know, being like an early podcast pioneer to finding this whole new way to tell stories about music and, Mm -hmm. and then helping put all these other people on. Like there is no, the read without Reggie. Mm Right. You know, Um, he, he gave them their show. Mm -hmm. Um, He developed a whole podcast network. Um, So not too long before he passed, he kind of gave me a shout about music sermon. He was just like, I really love what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I realized that I felt like I owed it to him to let it be something. Mm. Cause like at the time by the time that he died, Music was maybe six months old. Okay. Um, like I didn't even have a internet domain yet. You mm. know what I mean? And um I hadn't yet, and, you know, people were hitting me like, I love it, you need to monetize it. You know, my followers were growing, things were happening, but I hadn't really taken time to think of like what was what was the purpose of it, right? And what was it gonna be and was it gonna be a brand and how's it going to grow? And when I first left work, I thought that I was gonna immediately jump into consulting, but what ended up happening was that I just spent a few months just really like working on music sermon mm-hmm. and working on like assets and mm-hmm. graphics and figuring out how the brand felt and honing the voice and, you know, what I wanted it to be, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and just putting some more love and time and attention into it mm-hmm. and letting it flourish and become a thing. And um and I, I could never have imagined in my wildest dreams like it would lead to the opportunities that it has led to. But I I realized that I really wanted to be intentional in what, how I wanted to give of my gifts in a positive way, not just to make some money, but to actually like have an impact. So like right. I said, I'm passionate about culture. How do I show my appreciation of culture, how do I protect it? How do I further it? How do I preserve it? Because not even on some ego shit, but just like how do I leave? How do I give something to people, right? Mm-hmm. That that means something more than just I'm an influencer out here and I'm catching a check. Mm-hmm. Like how do I actually do something that really provides Ooh, something to people? Work.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, because I'm not like people are now like, well, you're an influencer. I'm like, I'm not I mean, I guess I'm considered an influencer, but I don't look at myself like that mm-hmm. because I feel like an influencer is just about being somebody who people want to emulate, I want to give something to people. Mm. I want there to be something that people get from me. Like, I'll, I want them to be able to be like, I'll, Naima's dope because she does X, Y, Z, not Naima's dope because her clothes are fly. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. just, you know, um, I want to be able to like offer something to people that they can take away and that, that feeds their spirit in some way or that, You know, when people say they learn something from me, Mm -hmm. that means more to me than anything. Mm -hmm. Seriously, that's like the highest compliment you can pay me. Or when people say I was going through something and your playlist helped. Or, you know, just little Mm -hmm. things like that. Like that really, that is what makes me feel great about, about what I do. So when, yeah, when Reg died, I really like had to stop and think like, Right, especially him and Ed dying back to back and going to these funerals and listening to people speak about how they impacted their lives and and all of that. I was really like, okay, what? Not to sound morbid, but like, what do you want people to say about you when that's your funeral? Yeah. Right. Like, what do you what do you want to say and like, how do you get there? Right. You know.
1: Yeah. And just to kind of like back up just a little bit, sure. tell us how you like met Reggie. Sure. like Kind of kind of give us like how do you know him, who he is, that type of thing.
3: Sure. So um. When Reg was an entertainment lawyer, um, there were two firms that were in the same office. It was his firm with his partner, Edwards, which was Osane Woods. And in the same office, there was another partnership called Middleton and & Niles. And the reason they were two firms kind of in the same firm was so that if one firm had an artist and the other firm had, like, a manager... Or, like, one firm represented the manager, but he needed to sign the artist, you could kick the artist to the other firm. Because, you know, your manager and your artist aren't supposed to have the same li- same mm, lawyer. Or, like, you. if somebody was being signed to a production deal, mm-hmm. so y'all could stay in-house but be represented on different sides, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, my sister at the time was dating one of the partners in Middleton and Niles. And... um. They needed a new office assistant, and at the time, my intention had been to go to law school. My intention had always been to be an attorney, an entertainment attorney. So I went to work with them. I was the only woman in the office, and they're all young, like they're in their late twenties, early thirties. Um, so it was a it in was like nineties in the nineties, honey, in the music industry. So in they the were music extra industry, ignorant. honey, it was very extra ignorant. This is ninety eight. Um, huge summer in New York. Um. You know, Justins had just opened, we represented Nori, his album dropped that year, Um, we represented Loon, we represented all the bad boy hitmen, we represented Kelly Price. We represented... Oh shit. This
0: was a good year. It
3: was a very good year. Like, we... Like, it was a great... It was just a great, great year. And um, we represented Shine, and that was the year Shine got signed. And at the time, like, people don't remember because Shine ended up going to jail. But, like, Shine was being heralded as, like, the next biggie. Right. And it was, like, this huge, like, bidding war. Like, at the time, his record deal was, like, a a like a, a record amount of money or something like that. Um, So, it was, like, a really, really good time in the game. And it was a lot of fun and for me at this point i'm 22 so like for me at this point i'm just trying to be outside i'm like hey <laughs> we outside we popping <laughs> you know <I> mean,
0: <laughs> come on we outside we popping we
3: outside like what we doing um but what i realized was i really love the energy of the entertainment industry i did not want to do all that fucking paperwork um and that's always been a f- it's always been a fight internally mm-hmm. with me but, like my administrative side and my creative side. And so I called up Harf Pierre, who we represented, who at the time was head A and R for Bad Boy and I was like, Can I come intern for you? I thought I wanted to try the A and R business and I went to Bad Boy and from Bad Boy I ended up at Arista and when I was at Arista I landed in the marketing department and that was the department that allowed me to do everything I was able to be creative but I was also able to use like my organizational and administrative skills mm-hmm. and it's also the seat from which you learn the most about how the entire scope of the ecosystem for record labels works and it gives you like close access to the artist. So it it really was, like, I was like, oh, this is this is where I need to be. This mm-hmm. is the right spot for me. And so, but going back to Reg, it was really, I met him because I got the job, obviously. And Reg was like the elder of the all the partners. He was the oldest. He was married. You know, he had kids. So he was kind of like the zen, like, you know, kind of calming presence while everybody else was like wilding out. And, Reggie used to like Talk to me like for real He'd be like Well what do you think You want to do in like Five years mm-hmm. You know Where do you see So cause you know He wasn't trying to holler, He wasn't like Where your friends at He wasn't like, You know what I mean Like for him It was really just more about like
0: I love this <laughs> because it was 98
3: and it was a bunch of young motherfuckers it was it was was a lot happening out in the streets and you know he but he would really talk to me and he would really take time to explain things whereas some of the other guys not to say it was a matter of disrespect but it was just like i was the girl in office you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and and even though they were my friends and even though we were cool i didn't always get a level of respect from them reggie always saw me and I always, like, took a little bit of time to, like, talk to me and mentor me. And every time I ever ran into him, you know, over the years, it was the same um, from him. Like, he would show me love. He would tell me he was proud of me. You know, like, all of those things. So the, and But later, I really was looking at how great a storyteller Reg was and how great an interviewer Reggie was. And, again, like I said, that inspired me as to, like, kind of how I wanted – to continue it didn't inspire me to start music sermon but it inspired me in terms of how i wanted to craft music sermon as it continued
1: Mm -hmm. Mm so um and going back into like the music industry Mm -hmm. um and how you were you've i mean even back then you were just saying that you were like the girl in the office right um but there are a lot of more women that are in the music industry thankfully right um and there is a lot of empowerment um but um I'm guessing that there's no, that's not always the case. It is not always the case. So, have there been experiences where you have felt like women haven't been as in your corner as you would like it? Them you to know, be?
3: I will say this. Historically, I've been really, really lucky that I have worked for women who, for the most part, who have wanted to help me learn, help me grow, who have hit me to game. Mm-hmm. Um, both my bosses at Arista were women. Um, one of the mentors, who is still one of my really good friends and still one of my mentors now um, from Bad Boy, she was um, Puff's chief of staff. She got me probably two of my next jobs, you know, over my career, and has referred me for other things and always had my back. Um, she actually got me my job at Arista. Um, but just it,
0: one second, yes. I just want everybody to understand that like working for Puff in the nineties or just oh my doing god anything ever was like, it was like a lot Naeem is legendary. <laughs> I just want you, I just wanted to start it's a I just want y'all to that, know Yeah there's not that a that lot, lot of us who were
3: there. There's real and and I'm glad you said that though because I do tell people like every every like legend story that you hear about Puffy that sounds outrageous is true. And there's like there was a clip that he posted when um like the bad boy doc was coming out mm-hmm. and he was like yelling on the phone and banging on the desk and jumping up and down or something like that. But I was like that that was puffy all day every day. Like that was that was normal, you know. <laughs> it was whatever. <laughs> but but that was actually how a lot of bosses were. And in the, in the music industry, it's it's weird. Like, it's now in, like, the Me Too movement and and in this era of accountability, a lot of us are having to adjust our mindsets because we were taught, like, like on some devil, like, Devil Wears probably like, that was abusive, right? Like, mm-hmm. but we were taught that when you work in certain industries for certain high-level people, you just have to learn how to develop a thick, skin, a thick skin and take that. Like, that was, we were taught that was normal. And it's actually not healthy, but whatever. So... Going back to what you're saying about women, I fortunately did work for some really nurturing and encouraging and like women who were not hating, who were definitely like, I want to I want to not just teach you how to do your job, but teach you how to get through this Mm -hmm. because I was a pretty girl. You know what I mean? And there's like always somebody trying to fuck, somebody trying to like whatever. Um, The one woman who (laughs) worked against me was my Last boss who who pushed me to quit and um it's really weird because I that was like probably the the environment in which she should have felt the least threatened by me because it was her fucking company so it's like I don't know um and I'm speaking freely because she ain't never gonna hear this but it's like but you know it, she was like the, or maybe
0: she will and who gives
3: maybe, a fuck <laughs> this is not anything I haven't said but like you know she's like the, she's like the liberal white woman who thinks she's down and.
1: I knew she was a white woman.
3: Yeah, but I've had, but I've worked for other white women and they've actually been like really dope, you know? Absolutely. But she was but... the one, because she's not a white woman who comes from the music industry. I think that's the difference. The other white women I worked for, like they came up in this game. Mm. so they And they came up in urban music specifically. Mm. This one, you know, she went to work and blah, blah, blah. blah. Yes. Whatever. So it's like, I'm like, that's cool you went to work and while you were at I was a bad boy, bitch. So it's like... You know, real life experience. (laughs) Right, right. Okay, you have a MBA from an Ivy League. I was in these streets already, so it's um, so there was definitely like a a difference in theology and philosophy. And I think what did actually make her uncomfortable about me was that like I was who John wanted. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't have I had my own relationship with him. I didn't have to go through her. I didn't have to like I hit him directly but I still deferred to her because that was I was second behind her so I was never going to try to like you know go around her use her part like I actually I respect hierarchy Mm Mm-hmm. But I think she that's always so thought... That's so sweet of you. It is. I think she always thought I was going... And also, like, John is a person who he he wants integrity amongst his team. So mm. it wouldn't benefit me to throw her under the bus to him because he doesn't like that either. So, but I think that she always thought I would because that's what the fuck she does to everybody. So, you know, when you do dirt, you expect dirt. So, Yeah.
1: So many words. So many words.
3: It was a lot of projection. It was a lot of projection. So, yeah, that was the, and it was really frustrating. And it wasn't until I actually said the words that I was leaving that I realized how heavy her spirit was sitting on me and Mm -hmm. how miserable it was making me. Like, once I didn't have to deal with it, I was like, "Woo, child, the oppression." Like, I didn't even, I didn't even really.
0: <laughs> Come on, woo, child. That's the a first time. That's the first time we say "woo, child" all the time, but never "woo, child." Woo child the oppression. Yes. Woo. <laughs> I
2: was like,
3: listen. Mm. So yeah. <laughs> And then she saw a music sermon blowing up and she felt away. But I was like, but music sermon has nothing to do with you, it has nothing to do with John. You can't lay no claims on it, feel away about it, nothing. But it's like, yeah, that was the one time. And it was really unfortunate because, you know, she chan- she was the whole like women power and, mm. you know. We need more female leaders. More and the white female is too leaders. Boy heavy, and we need. And she used to always be like, "You're so brilliant. You're such a leader." And I'm like, "Yeah, but you want me to lead like in a way where like you could take credit for my leadership." That's what it was. She wanted, and this is what white women. These do, are y'all.
1: real words, people. I hope y'all taking notes. Yeah, this
3: is what white women do, y'all. White women are all down. Usually, not all white women, but white women are usually all down to champion your growth. And your advancement as long as they can take the credit for it. As long as they can be like, Oh, I helped her come along. Help if you don't fucking need them, they are threatened by you. Yep. They have savior complexes. And if they can't feel like they saved your ass, Ooh, come they on, do Naima. not like you. They have no use for you. Because how dare you not want their help? <laughs> like okay, how dare you not, dare you not want them. how dare you not need them? And you, this
1: black woman how, who probably came from nothing. Yeah.
3: How ah, ah, ah. How dare you actually know some more shit than they do? Like, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, how, how dare you be in a position to actually be a peer? Like, how dare you? Whew. How dare you? And that right there,
0: people, is the word. <laughs> woo child, the oppression.
1: <sighs> yeah. That's okay. top
0: five. That's top five, woo child.
1: Yes, top yeah. five, woo child. So, okay, because... One thing that I will say, I work in television, mm-hmm. and that is exactly spot on about white women. Yeah, And I've noticed that they're kind of like, if I had a story and I had villains, <laughs> that would most likely be my villain. <laughs> um, but how do you, what would you say to like other young black women or people who might be dealing with that type of woman? How do you kind of like right. finagle that?
3: Well, for one thing... White the white woman's tool is is passive aggression, right? Absolutely. Um, and if you you have to learn to return that passive aggression to them because they don't they will act like if you are just direct with them they will act like you're a bully you know, you're a bully and they'll clutch Ooh. pearls and they'll cry and they'll do all the other shit mm-hmm. so you have to learn how to use their own weapons against them. Um, so if they want to send you some passive-ass emails, send them back some passive-ass emails and CC LIFO people. You know what I mean? Like, you have to learn how to use their same tactics against them and keep every fucking receipt. Receipt, 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 receipt. Paper trail, paper trail, paper trail, paper trail, paper trail. Cover your ass at all times. I can't stress that part Mm -hmm. enough. Cover your ass at all times and don't be afraid to be the first person to go to senior manager and be like, you know... I'm just kind of feeling a way about me and Sarah because I'm, I'm not sure because they will do that to you, so you really just have to learn their game and play it honestly um, to their disadvantage because they're never really quite ready for it, but because um, they expect you to either like buck up or try to be non-confrontational and put your head down and do your work. Hmm. You just actually have to just deliver, and it's it's exhausting. I'm not gonna front; it. it's exhausting. It's a Absolutely. very exhausting game to play. Um, But if what you want is to stay in, like, that corporate structure, you kind of got to do it, unfortunately. Until you don't. Yeah. Mm.
1: Mm -hmm. Wow.
3: And I will also tell you, young women who are dealing with that, it has nothing to do with you, boo. Yes. It's not you. It is not your personality. It is not your persona. It's not how much you smile. Don't smile. Say hey. Don't say hey. Go for drinks. Don't go for drinks. It's about them. So as soon as you really understand it's about them, just flip it.
0: Can you, say, I, can you say it again? It's not
3: <laughs> It's not you. You could be anyone of anybody. It's not you. It is them.
1: I really hope y'all take that. And you notes. really have
3: to internalize that and understand. I know that's easier I know it's easier to understand in theory than in practice. But once you really internalize it and once you really understand, because I'll be very honest with you, white men, and at least in entertainment, white men were easier for me to work with than white women. Because white men really, they don't actually give a fuck what you do. Mm-hmm. Like, they largely ignore you mm-hmm. until, like, they need something very specific. Yep. White women clock every fucking thing you do. Yep. So with white men... Woo! So with white men, you can be very direct with them. You can send them niggas two-word emails and they appreciate that shit because right. they're busy. You send a white woman two-word emails and she'll be like, so the tone of your email, you know, I don't really know how I can... Because they want exclamation points and salutations mm-hmm. and jokes and emojis <sighs> and all of that shit. So it's like, you... They are exhausting. They are exhausting. But again as soon as you realize that these white people are crazy and it really has nothing to do with you at all whatsoever you can work around it you you can you can maneuver through it you not you it, it it's but this is what this is where the Gen X will come out it's a hard, it is hard to change systems even from inside when you're talking about corporate culture Co- corporate culture if you are a minority you have to learn to work around it if that's where you want to stay mm. you have to it is a game you have to play if that's where you want to be, if it's not where you want to be, you got to figure out where you want to be. But microaggressions abound everywhere. It doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. Reason four hundred forty-five why <laughs> I left RCA. <laughs> um,
3: yeah. Oh child, the ghetto.
0: So. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh child, the oppression. The, yeah, the oppression.
0: oppression. Um, since you are a cultural, oh I. This preservationist a, thank you yes. I was like that's an that's, amber
1: word Well, <laughs> that's actually not an amber word but it's that's more of a it's more of like what Naima has also said that yeah. she is she's a cultural pers- I'm a cultural preservationist <laughs> uh, she's also a storyteller mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um, what's like a seemingly forgotten black culture moment story that mm. we should never forget like what's something that we need to hold dear but we are kind of like losing it we're not really remembering it
3: You know, um, this comes to mind, and I'm not saying it's the one, but this comes to mind because I touched on it um, after B did Homecoming. Mm -hmm. I know we all, well, a lot of us grew up watching The Wiz over the holidays, but I need everybody to really understand how big The Wiz was at the time. Like, it was Black Panther before Black Panther. Um, There had never been a Black-led, Black created black directed black people black story movie where there was that richness and that beauty and that extraness and like the whimsy like we were coming we were coming out of the black exploitation era. Um, which was a lot of movies about pimps and hoes and gangsters and you know mm-hmm. all of that. It was it was about reality of the streets, right? Because mm-hmm. you know white people love black oppression shit. Again, Wu Chow the oppression. So for to have a movie that was about black dreams and fantasy and aspiration coming on the tail end of that era, that had not existed mm-hmm. yet like that, and with, and with like the the Emerald City scene alone. Mm-hmm. Like, motherfuckers look fly, fabulous, like, opulent, elegant. It was like, the shit took three days to shoot. You know what I mean? Like, it it was just, it went way over budget, you know? And it didn't make a lot of movie at the box office, I think, because people didn't know what to do with it, really. But I think that you really have to appreciate, like, the level of talent in it. It's also, like, the vehicle that brought Michael and Quincy together, Mm. um... Luther wrote Brand New Day like just all throughout it like there's just so much I did not
0: know that Luther wrote Brand New Day
3: listen to it now that I told you that and you'll hear it Mm. go back and listen to it again now that I told you that and you'll be like that's a Luther song Um, it's like just the blackness of it the richness of it and the, and the, the the aspiration of it like the fact that Quincy was like nah we doing this shit you know what I mean it just Barry Barry and Quincy were like, we're doing this shit. Mm -hmm. And also Barry being, like, you know, a music exec who decided he was going to move into the movie space Mm -hmm. as well. Um, I think that whole story around it, I think, just really needs a little bit more appreciation for what that represented in a moment. And how, like, now we go back to it. So, like, I really appreciated that Beyoncé put the Emerald City horn sequence Mm -hmm. at the top of Homecoming. Because I was like, that's what Homecoming... Was right? right. It's like we are gonna give you all this black shit, unapologetically take it, understand it, don't understand it. I don't give a fuck. It's not for you. It's for them. You know, and that and that's what that was. You know, and I. So that I was like, I I really hope people understand the significance of the, that. Just small horn flourish, like what that meant. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah.
1: Homecoming. <laughs> Let me go watch that. <laughs>
0: Amber, you do not need to watch Homecoming. <laughs> I no probably way.
1: have watched this a, a thousand times, <laughs> I love but saying, Amber, you do
0: not need let to watch me, this. Again. Let me go
3: watch that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's something else. I feel like um, I feel like there's definitely something that I need to mention, like some TV or something. Oh, the Jeffersons. The Jeffersons is important as fuck. The Jeffersons is more important than the Cosbys. It's more important than Fresh Prince. It's more important than everything because it was the first time that there was not even just a middle class black family, but a wealthy black family on television, the first time, ever period period point blank had not happened and george jefferson was calling these white people honkies every day and slamming the door in their face every fucking day a moment true, all true, day
0: truly icon. <laughs> truly i yeah.
1: while strutting
3: while strutting
0: while strutting
3: yeah
1: he's a gay icon
3: sherman he is sherman i always forget that sherman is gay yeah mm-hmm. because george was so far away from who sherman was as a real person like like George made him uncomfortable, because he was just not that guy. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I also feel like Sherman kept it very quiet. He did. He like had it. to. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. He had to. Well, speaking of, yes. I guess like,
0: <laughs> come on, <laughs> uh,
1: queer icons uh, that couldn't really come out, or maybe could. Um, So you do Music Sermon, which y'all should definitely check out if you have not checked it out. Just look up the hashtag. It is, like, it is brilliant. It is some of my favorite, favorite things on Twitter. Um, So we obviously love Bussy here. (laughs) So if you were supposed to make a Bussy Sermon with, like, black LGBTQ artists, who would you have in that?
3: Well, I was telling you guys before we got on air that I my era in my era of music, the 90s, we just didn't have that many out artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, even now, just because I don't listen to a lot of the, the younger folk, it's not a lot of people I can <laughs> list off the top of my head. So when I was first asked that question, the first person I thought about was Michelle and Indejo cello because her shit was just always so sexy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was thinking about people that, we always knew we're LGBTQ, but, like, never actually got to come out as LGBTQ, but I wasn't sure, like, if it would make sense to, like, name them, what, you know, what the protocol is there, because um, obviously I thought of Luther, because Luther is my, Luther is my go-to artist in all things. If I'm stressed, if I'm happy, if I need to focus, if I need to center myself, I go to Luther. Mm-hmm. Um, His voice is just... His 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 choice and how he like the way he would manipulate songs. Just I don't know. I just I just love him so much. But you know he was never out. But I mean, psh, we all we all know. Um So A yeah, huh? Oh word. I mean we we all know. we did know. Yeah. You know, and there were rumors that you know Phyllis Hyman was queer. Um, that people close to her have confirmed, but that she never confirmed. Like there mm-hmm. was apparently. One or two women who she'd been in a relationship with, but she didn't really feel like she could go there. So she kept trying to find any men. And then obviously there is the good Whitney Elizabeth Houston.
1: Our sweet nippy.
3: Yeah, who Robin's book drops on Tuesday.
1: I think so. Yeah,
3: so that's going to be interesting. Um shout out to Robin. Shout out to You know, can I just take. I know this is not the question you asked me. I just, no, no, come on, come on. I just have a small rant. And I don't. And this rant is not for your listening audience, I'm sure, but. I'm really irritated. My spirit is vexed because I've been seeing people who have seen me now. So first of all, Robin has always said she was going to write a book. She's always said that. I know that she said that. She always declined to interview. She declined to participate in any docs. And she always said that after an appropriate amount of time had passed and she felt ready, she would write a book. And it was Mm going to be like one and done. I'm going to tell the story of my Whitney once, my way, that's it. And I have seen so many people be like, Robin trying to capitalize on Whitney's death. Why now? She disrespecting the dead. She but Robin is the sole person in Whitney's entire life. The sole person in her whole entire life, personal or professional, who has never got her ass on TV and talked about Whitney. The sole person while Whitney was alive or dead. And she but she is also the sole person in Whitney's life who by all accounts put Whitney first, by all accounts. So why would you have that reaction to the idea that Robin's writing a book unless you think the book is, like, my secret lesbian love affair with Whitney Houston? Which is not... I mean, it's obviously going to go into that, but it's really Mm -hmm. more about, like, this is who my Whitney was. But even if it is that book, like, why does that offend... Like, were you mad when Bobby talked about Whitney? Were you mad with... You know what I mean? Like, why? I also
0: feel like Robin has also been the dog the most. Exactly, which is
3: also why she deserves to tell so her finally tonight. say her say like Robin has literally I don't know if people really understand this it's not just been since Whitney died Robin has literally never spoken publicly about Whitney not when she stopped working with Whitney not while Whitney was still alive not while Whitney was going through it not while fucking meanwhile Brandy been up here posting about Whitney every 10 seconds like <sighs> I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying
0: Oh child <laughs> the oppression
3: <laughs> And she was with Whitney like every day from the time Whitney was 18 to Whitney was 30 something. This is the person who knows her the best. This is pro- this is the story actually we need to hear.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And so imagine, imagine you have been watching people talk about, yes, your lover at some point, but more than that, your best friend, mm-hmm. right? Just been watching them talk about her voice, her addictions, her marriage, her life. What motivated her, what didn't, what she abused, what did her mama do, her daddy sued her. This thing happened. Everybody, everywhere, always talking. Whitney, 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 speculating, 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 selling different parts of Whitney's life. At some point, you want to be able to set the record straight for your friend.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you have the closest story. And you are the person least invested in telling a story that's about you instead of about her. All these other people are telling stories for their benefit. Robin, I think, is doing this for Whitney's benefit. And that is a difference. So
1: It also has been like seven years yeah. since she passed. She's been dead
3: for me. She ain't died yesterday. Right. And mm-hmm.
1: more importantly... I cause we And I talk, think
3: Whitney would have been completely okay with this.
0: That part. But also yeah. I think me and my friends were talking and I was just saying that like at the end of the day, I think there ain't nothing, there's nothing else that could tarnish Whitney's legacy How,
3: exactly that. Like, like what
0: there's like, nothing that could someone like, could say unless like, you say she killed somebody,
3: right? Like, what exactly do you think? And that was my question to people, like, what exactly do you think? Because people will say it without saying why they think it's in bad taste. People are like this is in poor taste, why? Because she, right? Yeah. But I'm saying, but like, say it if you're gonna say that, say mm-hmm. that, you say know it what I mean? Like, like say it, <laughs> yeah, say, it with her, like, for real, in 2019, when. It's pretty much like just an understood notion that Robin and Whitney had a relationship. You think that's what is Whitney's legacy? Like, that's what you're concerned about? That. You know what I mean? Like, not any other conversations about, like, but you were okay that Kanye took her picture of her bathroom and made it Pusha T's album cover. Like, that was, that wasn't a problem for you, but this is a problem for you. You know what that I mean? That was it's artistic. Just, that was art and shit. I'm so Whatever. mad at him for that. That was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. S- that was ridiculous. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't. And also, black people. It's not all Bobby's fault, but that's a whole nother conversation.
1: Oh yeah, I don't think that at all. It's
3: mm-hmm. not all about y'all. Got to get off Robert Bar- Barris. If bounce.
1: we gonna blame right. somebody, I'm blaming sissy.
3: Blame sissy and them brothers. Like they yep. have, they have admitted they're the ones who got her on drugs. Like Whitney. Here's the thing. Whitney would have been broken. And miserable, no matter who we she should. ended up marrying. Yep. Her and Bobby were just a unique combination of combustible, codependable, destructive, like, personalities. They fucked each other up. hmm You know what I mean? It, that shit was codependency. That's the definition of codependency, the two of them. Bobby ain't fucked Whitney up. Because, I mean, think about how long had Bobby and Whitney been divorced by the time Whitney died? You can't blame that on Bobby. Bobby was clean. Mm-hmm was clean bobby was clean and sober for years hello okay girl <laughs> now
0: you, you had me so you said bobby was clean
3: bobby by the time Whitney and by died, the time she by the time she by the time when died bobby was sober you believe, still don't believe i it? don't
0: believe no time in life that bobby has been clean i'm sorry y'all
3: anybody even at bobby's worst <laughs> bobby's worst was drinking bobby's drug use was while he was with Whitney. Mm. Yeah so maybe Bobby was still having some beers the other thing about Bobby so y'all should also know that Bobby had a stroke last year so Bobby some, I mean, uh, so some of what we think was Bobby being you know cracky was the fact that Bob had, that <laughs> Bobby had already had
0: a- oh child the cracky <laughs> I'm done one of the things we thought was Bobby being <laughs> cracky
3: crack adjacent crack adjacent (laughs) crack-ish crack motivated was actually crack
0: motivated yes I'm using that crack motivated crack Mm. motivated
3: actually Amber you know what this is the moment of black culture I think that black people need to understand how serious crack the crack era was (sighs) I think people don't really I think if you weren't of age during it you think the movies and shit exaggerated. There is no part of the black experience, if you were of age in the 90s, even if you didn't know anybody who was a crackhead, there was no part of that shit that didn't touch you, affect you. Right. It affected culture, music, film, TV, like... And every exaggeration you see of it... And no, every depiction you see of it, you may think it's an exaggeration. This shit was so much worse. Mm. It was so much... That actually is something that I think that people try to act like it was a big deal or you know, we've separated it from the rap industry. Now you cannot talk about hip hop and not talk about the crack era because right. the the, the hip hop was born of, like, you can't separate the two. Um, but I think that, like, there's a whole, like, so much of black art in the 90s was born of, or a result of, or a response to the crack era. So that's the moment I think people need to talk about. So anyway, back to Bobby and Whitney. So yeah, Bobby was, whether you like it or not, Bobby was remarried, had some more children, mm-hmm. was doing whatever he was doing. Why we don't be talking about Ray J and Whitney? Because guess who she was with that weekend?
1: Ray J.
0: Guess who set her off that weekend
1: too?
3: Guess who got her some drugs that weekend? Ray J. Hmm. Ray
1: J always connected into some like some random fuck shit. shit, some fuck shit. Like right now, he's trying to get Suge Knight pardoned.
3: He says he he says he did not. He says that's not true. Oh, okay. Because I because even I was like. For what? But, but he is somehow like involved. Like, Suge has turned over the business of Death Row to Ray J, which right. is still very random.
1: Right? Their relationship is really random.
3: It's very random.
1: But you know, that whole Norwood family's a little.
3: Anyways. They be doing a lot.
0: All right, we're going to go. Shout out to Sonia Norwood. <laughs> ah, okay, ah, sorry. Ah, ah. <laughs> Shout out to Sonia. <laughs> Um, Shout out oh. to
3: momagers, Sonya and fucking Janetta Patton. Them two are two. I'm sorry. Let me go. That's <laughs> Usher's mom. Sorry.
1: Oh, okay. You sorry. know what?
0: Janet, Janetta's is a G. Ooh, the original child. G. Okay. They ain't got nothing on her. Um, okay, we gonna go into that, <laughs> and we gonna just we gonna just hit it right. When was the last time you had bad sex and what made it bad?
3: So, fortunately, <laughs> it has been a minute because I recently got out of a long-term relationship. So, okay. And my boyfriend did not give me bad dick. But before shout him... Shout out to him. Shout out to him. But before, I, I've actually been blessed in life. I haven't had a lot of occasions of just really bad sex. I I was given the gift of discernment.
0: I was given the gift of discernment.
3: Somehow I'm able Naima. to... Naima. Really choices. Amber, Amber. See, you and Amber <laughs> see, see each, each other.
0: other. <laughs> I am done. And sometimes I'll
3: be like, girl, I don't know that struggle. <laughs> but but then I also think that on occasions that it has happened, I have really so fully and completely blocked it out of my life and my mind yeah, my whatever. You try to that force I just, that. <laughs> I didn't even have to force it. It just dropped out. It was just... My <sighs> body was just like, girl, we're going to let that go. So there was the guy that... One of... Actually, maybe a couple years before I met my boyfriend, when I was just like dating, um, I was dating a guy. Now here's why it was bad. It was bad because technically it should have been great. He's Ghanaian, huge penis, like huge, like massively mm. huge. But the problem is he has all that huge penis, and he always wanted to get right to the fucking. And it's like, hello, that's too much dick for you to just be trying to jump straight to it. Mm. And he was mm. really more concerned about like, like. I guess his idea of what, like, the sex should be, like, you really just going banging out the box and actually making sure, like, I'm good. I, and I really... But he thought I was good. I would literally tell him, like, I need this, I need that. You know, he wasn't being on the oral. That's very sad. Um, mm-hmm. You know... The ghetto. He Yeah, he wants to spend a lot of time with the breast. I don't really do nothing for me. And I would tell him these things, and he just wouldn't <laughs> listen. And so I couldn't... Like I couldn't keep it going. Like it was so. It's not like it was technically bad. Like it was whack. It just wasn't a fulfilling experience for me.
1: It sounds that whack. sounds whack. Yeah. Though. It's if it's not whack. fulfilling, it's not,
3: it just wasn't a fulfilling experience for me. I was just like, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. And it just left. It would leave me irritated ever. Like nothing about nothing about that is sexy to me. You know what I mean? Right. Just like nigga, yeah. you want your own shit. So yeah, that was that was what made it bad. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm so yeah, you
1: know. I, I feel like i feel like straight men don't realize or maybe they don't give a fuck but like how Not much yeah that's true <laughs> how much how important it is to just like warm the body up yeah for women because the i guess the more oral sex or the more we're right. warmed up the more open we are you know
3: what though amber <clears throat> i gotta talk to that's on us i'm gonna tell you why that's on us it's it's psych it's 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 it's, it's, it's sicku- like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like chicken cyclical? egg. Though. Yeah, cyclical, cyclical well, Yeah, I can't even because say it. the reason I say cyclical is because we women were not taught to be vocal about what they want and like and need sexually. As a result, we don't speak up when niggas are doing shit we don't like sexually. As a result, they don't know mm-hmm. what they're doing and not doing, right, mm-hmm. right? So it's like I I have actually had to talk to my own friends and encourage them like masturbate a lot not with not with a device but with your hands so that you know how to tell another person like when you masturbate with a device is very different than when you masturbate with your hands your body responds differently you 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 know your you know how your body responds to touch differently right mm-hmm. so it's like you need to learn what how you like to be touched so that you can tell them how you like to be touched mm-hmm. instead of just cuz some people really don't have the language to say this is what I want instead of you just trying to, like, jackrabbit me today or whatever. But, like, once you learn that language, and honestly, all it takes is, like, one really good lover who makes you feel comfortable doing that Mm -hmm. or one really good lover who takes their time. And for me, I was very fortunate. I had that in my early 20s. I was dating an older man, and he really was, like, like, took time. Mm -hmm. And from that point on... I was able to articulate exactly what I wanted and exactly what I liked and mm-hmm. exactly what I didn't like. And even if not articulate with my voice, I could respond in ways with my body. Right. That would let you know like more of that, less of that, I could guide. Exactly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, but everybody doesn't, True. isn't that fortunate. But. Topping yeah.
1: from the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> <Lower empire. laughs> That's basically. <laughs> <I> really? <laughs> <laughs> <I> really? <laughs> <laughs>
0: If y'all can see the way I'm clutching my, <laughs> my fist right I now,
1: clutching, yeah. <laughs> now even you know, he is clutching because I just say that I I always top from the bottom because I I feel like communication is something that you are you are correct because I feel like a lot of women aren't given that space to communicate. Mm-hmm. And so, um, sometimes, you really do have to guide, but it's also about the men listening. This guy, yeah. the Ghanaian guy named Guy, wasn't, wasn't listening. listening, so fuck him. Yeah. So, I just feel like, as long as you are listening to this, women feel empowered to communicate.
3: Yeah.
1: And the men who are fucking women, listen to them. Yep. Because I promise you, the sex will be better. It's gonna be
3: so, it's so It'll much be better. so much oh better. Oh my God, that's what I don't think they realize. When you have a woman who is completely relaxed and completely open to the shit that's happening and, like, really in tune with you, Woo. that shit, that shit there. That, listen, I saw this girl this summer say something about good dick is a myth. What it really is about is connection. And I was like, no, it's not. It's about good dick. I mean, it's about connection, but it's not about mental connection. Bitch, it's about physical... Co- no, good dick exists. I don't know. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't know what I, kind, I, know child, what kind good of... good
0: dick d- exists.
3: I don't know what kind of dick y'all are getting. Honey. She was like, no, good dick is really just about how much you like somebody. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> Naima,
1: I was not ready for a sermon in each... <laughs> In each section, like Listen. a sermon during eat, a sermon during this pray, is you, a sermon during. This is why thighs. you need 40
3: year olds around because we don't live through some shit and we can talk to you about it. Listen, good dick exists in the wild because God gave us good dick because niggas be so full of shit that if the dick wasn't good, we just would not bother. <laughs> there has to be something, some reason <sighs> to keep us because otherwise, we wouldn't perpetrate the fucking population
1: a prophet (laughs) a pastor when you are young yes
3: when you are young you get good penis because these niggas gonna stress you out in every other area of your life so at least get some good dick (laughs) it's the balance of the universe are y'all taking notes
0: (laughs) and this goes for you
3: know um
0: Everyone. Yeah, this goes it's for you. everyone. Get good sex. Get good sex. Get
3: yes. good sex. And what getting good sex means is that yes, I I enjoy when I know I enjoy the way my partner responds to me as much as I enjoy right. how I respond to my partner. But all of that is about like a real give and take. Mm-hmm. And and, and you and not every and not every nigga not, is gonna know how to do it. I'll be honest, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But like, if you can find that one who's really there with you. And this doesn't even have to be also like soul ties or a myth to y'all. It doesn't even have to be. Wow. It doesn't even have to be a relationship. Sometimes it's just like y'all just there together. And that's fine. Like use it for what it is. it is. It, it doesn't even have to be like you in love with them. It's just y'all really like on that level y'all work and be communicative and, you know, be responsive when it. And this is what you can do. It's like it's like training a dog. It's positive reinforcement when the shit is right. Be responsive. Yes, that shit is great. Lift them hips up. Do a little something. Do a little like so that they know, like I need to do more of that so I can get that response. It's like training.
0: <laughs> I just want to repeat that, y'all. It's like training a dog, and some of y'all are actually dogs. So
1: it True. And I was just thinking, I was like, I feel like our lesbian listeners don't need this. <laughs> Because they seem like I've they heard have that good lesbian,
3: I've heard that lesbian sex is like some other world. Like, we, they be like, why like you think they three get three days. Well, they move, That's why they're moving <laughs> together. Because right? yeah, they be like, fucking for five hours. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. You build a
0: connection
1: real strong that way.
3: That's crazy <laughs> to me. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but for us dealing with men, who child ghetto? Who child ghetto?
3: <laughs> but, once, but once you learn what you like, and you are able to say what you like, and you are able to demand what you like. The game changes. There are women out there who are like 30-something and have never had an orgasm and it breaks my heart. I do not understand. Oh, yeah, that's sad. That's, now that's the ghetto. That is deep. Ooh, have, child, the oppression. Is, I listen, have a friend like that. Jesus didn't die for that. He did not. <laughs> he truly did. Because he came for us to have life and have it more abundantly and that ain't it.
0: Oh, you know what? And on that note, <laughs> one song describes your last sexual experience.
3: Oh, man. Oh, I don't know. It's been a minute because me and my man split up. I'm gonna have to pass on that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> so sad. <laughs>
0: How you been dealing with their breakup? If
3: um, so we're in like this really weird decoupling space. We're in that space where it's like y'all aren't actively together anymore, but we were together for so long that it and it wasn't a bad breakup. What happened was he hit a rough patch in his life just as. I was starting to get on my feet personally, so like it really is a a a, a, a situation of us being like a different inner vibing on different levels, if you mm-hmm. want to say that. And it was becoming like it was causing tension because mm-hmm. I'm vibrating way up here, and he's vibrating way down there, and and it was becoming very noticeable in our relationship. So it was really me saying like I need I want you to do what you need to do for you. And I don't necessarily know that you want me to help you in that. So if you don't want me to help you in that, let me step away Mm. so that I'm not a burden to you. Like, so that our relationship isn't like a burden to you while you're trying to get through this other stuff, but we are also best friends. So it's like, So since it wasn't like a fuck you nigga, you know, breakup, we're in like this weird, and because like our lives are very entwined, we're in like this weird space where like, we still talk all the time. Like I actually just saw him the other day because he's also suffering from depression. And I think the seasonal part is getting to him. Mm -hmm. And we were having a conversation. I was flying back from Miami on Wednesday, and he just sounded so bleak that literally like I got home, dropped my bag, changed my clothes, got a zip car. He lives in Long Island, got a zip car, like popped up on him because I was just like, I need to know that you're okay mm-hmm. and stayed with him for a couple hours and like talked to him and, and stuff like that. So it's so we're in like a weird kind of limbo place. I don't I don't know that we'll get back together, but I'm also not necessary, and we're not we're not trying to get back together right now. Mm-hmm. We're just where we are, but I'm also not yet ready to date anybody else but I'm also not like at home crying like I'm okay mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually okay with yeah. with where we are yeah okay. yeah it's a very like it's like a I mean it's a breakup but it's not pe- everybody's like oh I'm so sorry I'm like I'm good you know it's like it's, it's, maybe I won't be later but right now I was like I'm good and maybe it's because I'm still talking to him often but I'm also not trying to like fix us I'm really just trying to be a good there as friend. friend yeah yeah. Mm.
0: yeah shout out to people who can still be friends
3: it's not easy Cause I don't know what will happen if either of us started dating another person. You know what I mean? Like right. neither of us are dating another person or trying to date another person. So that means like maintaining, staying friends is easy right now. Right. Mm-hmm. If there were another person introduced in the in in the mix, That'd that be harder. Yeah, that would be harder. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. A word.
0: <laughs> um. <laughs> what has been your top dating insecurities over the years, and
3: how have you overcome them? My weight.
0: Mm.
3: Always. Um anytime a guy I was into wasn't into me um I assumed it was because of my weight um anytime like at my points where I felt most insecure is when I've uh, like when I felt my heaviest or whatever is when mm-hmm. I've made my poorest decisions in my dating life because I wanted validation um yeah it's always been my weight because and what I, and what I hate about my obsession with my weight is that in high school, so in the early '90s, like I, I'm, I'm bottom heavy. Got big thighs. I got a big ass. In the '90s, that wasn't really like the thing. Like it was still like a big titty girl era, right? And I wasn't. Even though now in retrospect, I wasn't big at all. I wasn't even really like thick. I just was comparative to my friends, group, yeah. Right. Um. And I was just so insecure about my shape. And I'm so mad at myself now because the years that I had, like, what would have been a banging bikini body, I have no pictures of me in a bikini. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it's just—and I'm so, like, I'm so mad at all the time I spent obsessing. Fortunately, it was the era of, like, girls wearing baggy clothes and stuff like that. But still, I'm so upset at all the time I spent obsessing about, like— my butt and my legs and all of that instead of just appreciating Mm them. Cause I look at pictures of myself now in high school and college, I'm like, I was fucking skinny. Um, but that, so that's been the, even now, like I'm 43 and even now, like I get really easily insecure when my weight pushes past a certain point. Um, and I go through these cycles every couple of years. What happens is, um, The way I stay in shape is running, even though I hate running. But it's the only thing I can make myself do consistently. If I have a race on the calendar, I'll work out. If I don't, I'll find an excuse not to. And it's like a full body, you Mm -hmm. know, thing. And what always happens is I'm in training for a year. My weight drops. I maintain that weight for about a year. Then it creeps up over a year, and then I stay heavy for a year, and then I start the cycle all over again. Mm. But every time I get to those heavy points, like I just have this crippling insecurity, even now as a grown-ass person, even though I still look good for my age or for my you know my metabolism is not the same i'm not supposed to look like a 23 year old i'm not supposed to look like an instagram model. like i'm not supposed to look like fucking bernice whatever her, you know what i mean it's just mm-hmm. like i have to remind myself sometimes like how old i am you know what i mean like mm-hmm. those type of things so yeah my my weight and my body like i didn't always like being a pear shape i have i had small breasts for a very long time i still don't have necessarily big breasts but they're normal they're average but i used to feel like a way about having like a big booty but no breasts back then mm-hmm. that was not like now I could have rocked like I would kill like if I had my body in high school as a high school student now I would be out here you know hear I me? Mean? like what's killing everything but it was different back then you know and that that's but that's all but that's always been anytime something wasn't right between me and men or anytime I really felt off my game or anything on my dating that's always been the stem of it has been my body mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah. I So taking medication mm-hmm. uh, caused, like, a huge increase in weight. And then also I've gotten older, so I'm right. 32. So my metabolism is slowing down dramatically. Right. And I'm learning, like— And it oh, sneaks up on you. Yeah, and it's like, oh, I actually eat healthy, but I still literally can't eat anything. Right. And I have to work out. Right. And I don't want to do that. Right, And so— um, I think for me what's been happening is like I'm petrified of dating because I am also like I hate my body. I don't feel attractive. So, I'm already coming into a situation insecure, you right. know? Like I'm already coming like I don't dating all, annoys me and bores me in general. Right. And so <laughs>
3: it's tiring. It's so, like It's really tiring.
1: And then also having to talk to some dudes, they're idiots. You know what I'm saying? Also
3: that people are stupid. Right. So
1: <laughs> so but I'm also but so I'm having like all this like anxiety about it, but I'm just trying to just tell myself like one cuz you're exactly correct about like when i was younger i was obsessing over my weight and i'm like bitch you were at your best weight like yeah wish you weren't obsessing over that right um so i'm trying to remember that like i'm still beautiful i still have a lot to offer and trying to like make sure and maintain that i can just you know fake it till i make it in a way
3: and also like there's a part of me that and i'm still i'm still working towards this i haven't gotten there yet but you know, as I see people who lose, lose who lose, like, use of certain things in their bodies, I realize how much I need to appreciate my body, mm-hmm. right? right? And I've spent my whole life, like, beating my body up
2: mm-hmm. or,
3: like, being mad at my body mm-hmm. instead of being, like, like, appreciating just the basic bullshit, like, just being able to get up and get out the bed. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, and as you get older and the aches and pains start creaking in, like, people be talking about Megan's booty. I be looking at Megan's knees. Like I wish we all do. I wish somebody had told me to take better care of my knee. You know what I mean? Like just little, little stuff like that. And you don't really know wh- when. It's like when was the first time I dropped it low and I almost couldn't get back up? Like when exactly did that happen? You know what I mean?
1: It's I like... remember. <laughs> I always had bad knees, so... (laughs) No,
0: I had good knees. My go-to move was the side. That is true. I always had good knees, and Mm -hmm. now I don't have good knees no more. It hurts, because Mm -hmm. my go-to move was the the drop low to the side, and now I can't do that no more.
3: And you be really sad about it, because in your mind, you can still do all that shit Mm -hmm. until you try to do it. Mm -hmm. And then you be like... "Mm." that's it
1: we just get you an assisted chair you know
3: <laughs> well, right like, now i got on
1: boots and they got a little heel i learned thing for heel, heel, heel a heel will
3: help you a, a lot with that your support, knees yes it will yes. i can do all things in heels mm-hmm. all them little moves i used to do but in flat feet baby now no, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. i can get down i just need assistance to get back up
1: amen <laughs> well speaking yeah. of the 90s yes we can talk about freak nick That's the one thing that I used to, I just wish I could have experienced Freaknik.
3: Freaknik was great until it became, Freaknik was actually great until it became the Freaknik that y'all all all think Freaknik was. So those last couple of years of Freaknik that were like just one big Luke video Mm -hmm. was not how Freaknik started. Freaknik at one point was like some good PG-13 fun um, like I have a whole photo album of pictures from Freaknik that I can show my kids because it wasn't.
0: It, Come on, like
3: I was not.
0: Come on, a whole of album of that. <laughs> but the fact that Naiva <laughs> wants to show her children, like y'all, look, look, Freaknik was a good time. <laughs> it
3: was because <laughs> it was because it wasn't yet like the videos that people be posting with somebody's right. mama is exposing her coochie for everybody. You know what I mean? Like that happened. That happened when Freaknik hit the tipping point of. All these people coming in and every every regional every regional event, every good party reaches this point where it goes beyond like you have the core people who started it, then it grows to where it's really live. Then there's this point where all these people who weren't intended to be part of it in the first place come. Ooh. But they come with a certain impression of it. So people started coming from, you know, New York and LA and all this other stuff. Thinking they came like I heard Freaknik is live. I heard it's just one big party, so they brought that spirit there, mm. and that's what Freaknik became. Freaknik was not always like some triple X rated "My Titties Is Out" in the middle of Peach Street Avenue. Like it wasn't always that, and actually being most,
0: attacked by, by right. a large group of men, exactly, and
3: and most of the people by that point, most of the actual like CAU students, yeah, and and folks who had been part of Freaknik years prior actually tapped out because it just wasn't the same right. anymore. And I've seen it happen. Like, it happened with Black Bike Week. It happened with Greek Fest and Jones Beach. Like, it's happened, it happened with Penn Relays. Like, it's happened with every, like, little black, like, mm. young college, young person enclave, like, that there is that eventually... It almost happened with Essence... And then Katrina allowed Essence a chance to reset. It's horrible as that sounds to say. Um, the last year I was at Essence, the last year before Katrina, and people was like walking down the street with like the video camcorders, and I was like, oh, yep, Essence is about to be a wrap. You know, mm-hmm. it happened with Miami Beach. You know, Memorial yeah. Day weekend. Mm-hmm. I was like, so, so. The but fact, now
0: that's kind of stopped.
3: Yeah, because I mean, they moved to Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People start going different places, and I and I worry I know that carnival is like a completely different thing because there's so many different carnivals and it's such a different thing but I see more and more people going to carnival on some I'm just going to wild out type shit instead of like the true Mm. cultural appreciation of it and I'm like I mean you're never gonna shut carnival down per se but I'm like I definitely see like there's a new element going into it because I see people do it on the Mm. gram and they want to go take pictures and you know Mm. like that type shit yeah Mm. yeah so, so Freaknik, I don't want to disappoint you. Don't get me wrong. It was still iconic and amazing. And there were so many good-looking men in one place. Oh, my God. Like, I really thought I met my husband at Freaknik, and he gave me his number, and I lost it. And this was before the days of social media and all of other things. So I never found him beginning of life, and it just really is, like, the saddest I think about him occasionally to this day. If you're nah, listening. I think about him, I, don't okay. remember, I don't even remember his name anymore. But I think about him occasionally too, because I was really like, who, that's my husband. Like, oh my, I, was, I fell in love. I fell in love in like 10 minutes. I was in. Where was he from? I don't remember none of that. Okay. Shit. I think he went to, I think he went to Clark though. But I, I can't. And I had a boyfriend at the time. It didn't matter. Like, I was just in oh love with him. Oh, my God. We got a
0: similar story. Yeah.
3: I was just in love with this man, and he gave me his number. And it's like, you know, you had to write the number down on a piece of paper, and the shit got lost. And I was just heartbroken forever over that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's my, sad.
0: Mine's with some dude I met outside um, Tavern on the Green. Oh, wow. In Shout out to Tavern the first summer. They,
3: they used to be some great parties. There. Right? Mm-hmm.
0: And I was, um, I was leaving Tavern on the Green. They had a gay night. Mm. (laughs) And it was this dude He was big and swole And he had a red New York Yankees hat (laughs) And like literally we caught eyes From like half a block away Right. And then when we got out there He like put out his hand And all I remember is that he said He's like where you from And I was like I'm from Milwaukee And he's like He's like, yeah, you sound mad sexy. And he's from the Bronx. <laughs> yeah. And when I tell you, this nigga looked at, like, he held my hand and looked at me like he was going to eat me. Like, he, <laughs> he looked at me like I was a spicy, a Popeye spicy chicken sandwich. <laughs> and I just knew that we was going, like, I just knew that I saw something. You were going to put-
3: build a life together. We were yeah. going to build a life together. Yeah. But
0: I also had a boyfriend at the time.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> So I deleted his number. When I tell you, it still hurts to this day that that you deleted. Because
3: now you're always wondering, like, the what if?
0: What exactly? Because this man looked like a a Bronx version of Fifty Cent.
3: Yeah, yeah. And he was was... gonna eat me.
0: And he said he told me I sounded mad sexy. Yeah. And that's.
3: And you deleted. Now you all all things you. Mm. One
0: thing you need to know. My my main goal in life is to have somebody tell you that you're mad sexy. No, just tell me. Be like Yo Ma. What's your name? (laughs) I really just want someone to say Yo, Ma, what's your name. It's not happening yet.
3: Where and do I'm, you wait? Where in the city do you live? Where do you live? I'm in Brooklyn. See, you need to spend more time uptown. It'll happen.
0: <laughs> Yo, Ma, what's your mama.
3: It'll happen. That's true. It will happen to your town. I think it happens to me like once every three days. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna start I'm gonna come here more often. <laughs> just so I can get my dream. Just so I can get your dream. Okay. So um You've been in the music industry for a while. Yes. Um, have you dated like within the industry?
3: I have. I'm not gonna name names. And
0: what what was that experience like?
3: So when I was young in this game, mm-hmm. and I ain't know no better. Um, I did date two different rappers and a basketball player. Oh. And only very close <laughs> friends know who they are. They were not public situations. Uh-huh. People did not know. Um, and. Only one, like none of them. None of them were serious, even though me and the rappers were still cool uh-huh. after. Like it kind of just like faded out. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen the basketball player in a really long time, but God, I was in love with that nigga. But anyway, um, <laughs> no, I, that that one was different because I had a crush on him for like a really, really long time, and I thought he was way out in my league because I was not feeling comfortable about my weight mm-hmm. at that at that period. And I had just cut my hair and I didn't like my hair cut. It was like a whole thing. So I was really just like amazed that it actually even happened because it mm-hmm. was like legit. Like I had had a crush on him for like I've been watching him at parties for like two straight years. Like, oh God, look at He's beautiful. So anyway, um, but like only like five people know about our little fling. Because that was a fling. The other two, like I actually dated them. He was a fling. Um, but anyway, and I, um, dated somebody that I worked with very early on, um, which didn't work because I didn't understand how to control power dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- what I will say, so I, but later on, I learned to not fuck with artists, and actually, I've been told. I was told, like, through most of my career that I don't like people. People used to ask me, they be like, You must get hit on all the time. And actually, after a couple of years in the game, I did not. And people actually told me that I don't give off any vibes that I even be open to it. Not like I'm shut down or I'm a bitch, mm-hmm. but it's very like, We cool and we're friends and we're mm-hmm. buddy, but, but like I'm here to get some work done. Like, I, cause mm-hmm. I actually did, I've asked people, cause I'm like, No, I never, I almost never get hit on. And people are like, yeah, You don't even, it just, it seemed like there'd be no point. So, um, which I'm okay with, you know. Mm-hmm. But as a hazard of occupation, when you work in the industry, you spend so much time at, you know, yeah. at work. And then y'all go out. And, like, in, in, in my in my height of my career, it was always like you leave the office, you go to dinner, you go to the club.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, y'all
3: were together the whole day, Monday through Thursday. And then you wake up and you do it all over again. So, it you really kind of had the date within the industry because when you try to date outside of it, people didn't understand your life. You might never see them. Y'all on different schedules, mm-hmm. you know, they don't really get it. They think this shit is frivolous. Frivolous and um cuz it is. Cuz it is. <laughs> <laughs> cuz it is. Um so yeah, I have dated other people like who work in the industry or but I've since those early years I've been very careful to like date peers, not senior people um, cause there's just so much mess that can come along with it mm-hmm. and people being your business and dimension mess. It's a lot of mess. <laughs> um, and you know, motherfuckers be married and this is a lot. It's a lot. Um, so people have like whole office relationships that are separate from their home relationships. It's just a lot. So yeah, but I only did celebs early in the game and then I was like, I'm not going that route. Again, because that was, that was just I think me being caught up. Mm. To be honest, yeah. Yeah, I don't date in the industry. Mm-hmm. I'm
0: trying to think. Oh no, he don't count. Um, <laughs> what has been the hardest aspect of dating in your forties, or what do you perceive your going to be the hardest aspect of dating in your forties? So
3: even dating in my late thirties, before I met my boyfriend, um, I was single for like a couple years. So there's two things. The first thing is. um I find that it is harder to meet people like by chance because Mm -hmm. I know I know everybody in my circles. Mm -hmm. Um, So unless now and and the younger people that I'm meeting, um, or the the single men that I'm meeting are mostly much younger. Not Mm -hmm. to say that I'm opposed to dating somebody much younger, but I would actually have to like change my dating pool because most guys my age at this point they're either married. Or they are divorced, but, you know, they have, like, kids and situations Mm -hmm. and whatever. Um, And the second thing is that in terms of online dating, what I found challenging, I'd always had a lot of success online dating. Mm -hmm. The last round, I found that, at least on the more involved sites like Match and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. the guys my age, they age-gate me out. Like, they're looking for women up to... Like, a 40-something-year-old man, in their preferences, they're putting, like, women up to 35. So, like, even if I'm trying to match with them, they don't even see it because I'm age gated out. But like the sixty five year old Sugar Daddies is in my inbox with a Bluetooth in it here in their photo. You know what I mean like that <laughs> so
1: Naima, if I see you with a man you with won't. a Bluetooth. <laughs> you will not.
3: Don't worry about it. It's not even gonna happen. I, 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 I.
1: It's
0: like things happen. that won't happen.
3: <clears throat> not even gonna happen. So you know now as a single woman it's it's challenging for me because not only am I single, I still don't have kids, right? So mm. I, even though, like, my obviously my clock is ticking very rapidly, I I do still want to try to have kids or adopt or whatever. Mm-hmm. It is hard to find because it's not that I'm opposed to dating somebody with kids, but they're men my age, their kids are grown, you know, they're not trying to start all over again or take on like yet another, like, another expense of going through all of that. Mm-hmm. Or so, that's that's one challenge that I'm gonna face as I go back out there. And I am considering, like, well, maybe I need to date somebody a little younger Mm -hmm. who's open for it um it i I just anticipate like just finding somebody age appropriate Mm -hmm. who also like fits with me um because i you know i'm i i don't subscribe to a lot of like older ideals that some in my age still have and Mm. are trying to grow out of but it's taking a while Mm. you know um a while. a while like that. Yeah. Or it's taking a while. Or just not take, happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um shout especially out to TI. Shout out to that's exactly what I'm fuck talking Fuck him. Yeah. Did by shout
0: out. Me? And by shout out, we yeah. mean. Yeah. <laughs> by yeah. shout out, we
3: mean fuck him. Yeah, but like that that shit, I can't I could never date a man who thinks like that. You right. know what I mean? Fortunately, and I you know, fortunately my boyfriend who's had um my ex boyfriend who has had primary custody of his daughter since she was in high school, he was like that shit is ridiculous. You know what I mean? So it's like so, but it there are there are still some issues with him, like he's still evolving on his frame of mind about gay people. You know what I mean? Like, mm. cause he's an old black man from New York. You know what I mean? It's just like it, there are some things that he he's still like growing on. Right? Uh, he's trying, but it ain't the shit. Don't happen, you know, overnight. So it's so it's that it's like coming up against men who still have a certain framework of of ideas and opinions, but also like. My work keeps my keeps me in tune to like a much younger demo and mm-hmm. things that are happening on a much younger level. So not like I'm trying to have niggas on Twitter all day, but there's a certain amount of references I make that I kinda need you to know. Right. In order for us to have like a regular conversation. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying you need to be popping on the timeline, but if um, you know, if I bring up something that's been a conversation, it'd be nice if you at least like right knew what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um like if you say sorry
1: to this man.
3: Right. I need you to know what that means. Exactly. You know, like if my mama knows, I want you to know. Um because my mama's on all social media networks at 71 and using emojis correctly. So everybody can do it.
1: Okay. <laughs> That's <laughs> and, how my mama gonna be. Yeah.
3: Everybody Because she lurks but she on all of them. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah so I I just I'm not looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. I will say that. Um It's not so much that I've ever... Because I don't... Like you, Amber, dating is exhausting. Like, I really don't like to leave my house unless I have to. I love my house. It's very cozy. Mm -hmm. I enjoy my company a great deal. Um, You know, I have all major cable channels plus netflix plus hulu plus a, a, a fire stick that's jailbroken and i have a lot of snacks so there's not always a reason for me to go out in these streets amber
0: you pick name because she is literally <laughs> yeah, li- she is the lighter I, version <laughs> of you Lit,
3: I'm, like, I'm like is this me <laughs> like every single thing uh, that you uh, say uh, i'm uh, like uh. <laughs> so it takes a lot that's why the the 200 date conversations trip me out because i'm like if it's so funny to me because I don't even be wanting to go out with these niggas and y'all here fighting about who gonna pick up a check which but I will say that is not a problem that my generation has these niggas like to trick but I feel bad for the I feel bad for generation
1: X generation X be
3: tricking
1: are you about to do an advertisement I'm here (laughs) (laughs) I'm technically in a younger demo (laughs) let me know I love to be tricked on <laughs> let me tell
3: you what I never had a fight about and part of this might be because I'm in the entertainment industry I ain't never had a problem about check in my entire life but that part of that might be about the entertainment industry I, don't, I ain't never had a problem yeah, about
0: and check and they always trying but, to, they trying to always impress
3: yeah and, and, and it's, but it's also just what we do like but I'm just but I also have I also have no problem splitting the bill sometimes but like this whole concept of like I'm not taking you to dinner on the first date. Like that is the most ridiculous shit yeah, i Yeah, that's ever. weird to me. So I feel bad for y'all who are out here dating. And then I see that and I'm like, I'm not trying to go back in that shit. Like that's tired. Ty- and just honestly, just the whole like, how many siblings do you have? Oh. What kind of life do you have in when you're in school? When you're in, that shit is so oh my God, it's so it's so boring. Tiring. I just the idea of going through it, the idea of going through it again, it just makes me tired. Like, I would love to just somehow discover that somebody I already knew. I was so lucky when I found my ex because we actually, like, we're almost the same age. He actually went to college with my sister. Like, we know a lot of the same people. Like, it was very easy because the degrees of separation were small.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I That is an ideal situation yeah. for me. Not starting, like, from a zero.
1: All right. So, I got to, yeah. like, fuck with somebody in my circle, kind of.
0: <laughs> you don't like me
3: Tangential.
1: I don't have a because I, still, straight met men in my I circle. still met him.
3: That part, on a but also you don't I still like me. on your circle. Nap. Yeah, I still met him on an app, but once we connected, right, it turned out that we had like these things in common. Yeah, that doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm not I'm not excited about dating again now because because like if I already like had kids and all that other stuff, Mm. I would probably have a much more relaxed point of view about it because I could just be, like, whatever. Mm. Because of the fact that I still am looking to create a family unit, that Mm. adds an extra layer of, like, just more difficulties to it in terms of finding, like, the right partner. Yeah. Yeah. But I had a reading.
1: Ooh. And she said,
3: he's coming. But I had the feeling that he might be a white man and I've never dated a white man, so I don't know how I feel about that.
1: Mm-hmm. Hopefully
3: he's at least an ethnic. An ethnic, yeah. I don't know how I feel about dating the whites. I've never done it. Not that I don't find something I'm attracted but I just never really... Not that I've been opposed to it. I just never actually, like, considered it. Yeah. You know, Naima,
1: I think you could date a white dude. One of my friends told me I'm,
3: like, the person in the circle most likely to date a white man, which is why it's funny for her to me that I never... Only because I... I'm an expert code switcher but I just never like (laughs) (laughs) you
1: speak passive aggression
3: (laughs) (laughs) I I speak I speak white people fluently and and I know all their references and I know all their movies and all or whatever and I just and I was and I was like the one black person in like the honors and AP classes so like they it was like yeah I thought it would be but I'm not I don't know white. There's a certain type of black women that white men like. I don't. I can't even really explain it, but you know it when you see it. Mm-hmm. It's me, and I'm not. I'm not. I don't think I'm it. Yeah. Do you have white men approach you?
1: Not anymore because I'm thicker. But when I was smaller, yeah, they like 1, They like the thousand percent.
3: They like the slim girls. Now the older white men like the thick black girls, but the younger white men like the slim girls. Like those those girls who who do the sugar daddy shit. Yeah, they be some thickums. But they get like the old white man, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Amber's considered. You know i was what? like, my, my, and then on
0: that note, we are gonna go into bird confession.
3: I like Amber.
0: <laughs> Amber, no, no.
1: I just need money from them. No,
0: no, Amber. Because you, I don't call, need
1: love. You know,
0: you gonna call me up and be like, "Well, if I had to touch gonna... him today, exactly." And it's a boy. Exactly. It, you will not understand. Like, exactly. I'm tired. And like, I'm gonna be like, "Bitch, what are you exhausted?" Amber from? Ain't had, shit free.
3: Yeah. Amber ancient free girl. Yeah. Like
0: Amber gonna be like, "I'm exhausted because I had to talk to him for a whole five minutes." <laughs> like no no yeah. no no, Ooh. no. Yeah. all right so we're gonna do bird confessions these are rapid fire questions so yes, whatever sir. comes to your head first okay what kind of bird are you pigeon dove eagle flamingo or peacock
3: i believe i am an eagle mm, come i on. can see that i yes. can see
0: that too you are featured on a mori episode what is the show topic for the day is he the baby's father mm-hmm. i slept with my best friend's boyfriend unruly teenager or i scammed my ex out of thousands of dollars unruly teenager okay
3: Gen X, yeah, Gen X, exactly, because I was a child. <laughs> Listen, okay, <laughs> two things I did.
0: One part, one porn star you would let hit.
3: I don't know a lot of the porn stars. Okay, I don't watch a lot of porn anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Old porn stars.
3: Um, there was an Omega who was a porn star. Lexington Steele. Yeah, he was. <laughs> Why didn't you say to, it so and, quick? Because there's only one, and everybody knew. It. But also, like, I really used to have a. I mean, I'm a Delta, but I also like really used to have a thing for the bros. Um, there was like that was like my whole dating segment for a very long time. It, and it's not because they're Omegas. There's something about the personality type yeah. of men who pledge Omega. Like all my high school exes are Omegas. There's something about the personality type mm-hmm. of men who pledge Omegas. There's a that very I'm specific type to. of man. Yeah. Yes. <sighs> Naima.
0: <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to say nothing.
3: Amber, that's you too?
1: No, yes, I'm gay. <laughs> if I agree. D- if I date, because typically I want, because I like more of like an artistic dude in right. general. But and they I, tend not to be Greek. Right. Yeah. But if I do date someone who is Greek, they are always Omegas. Yeah. Always. So, mm,
3: something about them
1: they're they're nasty
3: they're very i gave them up but yeah, yeah.
1: they're nasty they're spontaneous they're wild they're fun they're good at bed they're great in bed they're really good in bed it's like do they train them that I, way I, okay I, I, yes. you
0: know what i because i'm like i don't have anything to, i don't have anything to offer to this conversation i've never Sorry. fucked a q only a few kappas alpha and the sigma um Would you rather get them? Mm -hmm. What city of love and hip hop would you rather be on? Miami, New York, Atlanta, or Hollywood?
3: Um, New York. Okay. New York, yeah.
0: Your dream trade would only possess one main attribute a grill, a nice car, a neck tattoo, a regular weed habit.
3: Ooh, a grill. Okay.
0: Um would you rather someone spit in your butt?
3: Oh God. or
0: Or or your mouth. My butt we see each other
3: <laughs> cause babe what about this nat- I mean I get kissing is the same thing but there's something about like no. the actual that's spin. nasty it's so debasing like why yeah that's ill.
0: I just had my butt spinning recently but mm. that's all another topic that's okay. uh. great.
3: <laughs> I mean it was your birthday right <laughs> fitting
0: uh, <laughs> uh, long nails a long weave or long eyelashes
3: eyelashes okay they make long, long not heavy Long.
0: Oh. But you a pe- bird, so it Because be- the people
3: be doing heavy and y'all look sleep. They're not the same thing.
0: Ah, ah, ah,
3: ah. Open your eyes.
0: <laughs> your number one <laughs> rule for cuffing season.
3: Um my number one rule for cuffing season is don't let the cold push you into a bad decision.
0: Mm. Come on. Cause
3: them niggas will be up in your house.
1: Oh child.
3: You have to be very careful about who you let lay around your house. Where? And they won't want to leave.
1: <laughs> a they sermon won't. in bird <laughs> confessions. And they won't unleave. Uh, I am
0: done. <laughs> my celebrity capsule collection would be with Fashion Nova or Pretty Little Things.
3: Fashion Nova, I think. Okay. I've just started I've just I just did my first Fashion Nova order like a month or so ago. I see the appeal. So uh-huh. I think it would be a Fashion Nova. Actually it would be a HM, but maybe with Fashion
0: Nova. Okay. Okay. Come on, yeah. H&M. <laughs> a classy bra, a classy yeah. bird. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're an eagle. Um or Target. Oh,
3: mm. Target—they don't do them anymore, really. But Target they they used have some to good, yeah. some good capsule collections. Yeah, it would actually be Target. I'm gonna—I'm gonna say Target.
0: Okay, come yeah. on, I, that wasn't even an option, but that's yeah. fine. <laughs> I actually got on my GM Basta Valley um, H&M socks too. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Justine for buying those for me for my birthday. <laughs> A real client. Um, <laughs> would you rather twerk like Megan Thee Stallion, or have you create, or would have you rather? Would you rather twerk like Megan the Stallion, or have created real hot girl shit like her?
3: Huh? I guess created real hot girl shit. Okay. Twerking, twerking fades, but what come you on. create lasts forever.
1: <laughs> come on, come on. As we did learn, twerking does fade. <laughs> the twerking the twerking does, does fade. Does, the
0: twerk does fade. The twerk does fade. Most iconic thought of all time, in your opinion?
3: The most iconic thought that of all time is Elizabeth Taylor.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. OG bad bitch.
3: Yes. yes. Was yeah. running through your man, her man, the other man, somebody else's man. Oh gee. <laughs> bitch was getting diamonds <laughs> that came out of museums.
0: <laughs> she really is the most she iconic. That' so OG. Why we do not think about <laughs> Elizabeth? Yes. Mm. Well, you know, Elizabeth
3: Taylor was Kim Kardashian before Kim Kardashian. Truly. Honestly. And like, but like, outdid it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like, cause Kim could never. Mm-mm. She doesn't have the range.
3: Mm-mm. She doesn't. Mm-mm
0: because Elizabeth yeah. could give you a convo, okay? Yep. Um, yeah. All right, so we're done with bird confession.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, Kim can, st- she can talk now. Mm.
0: Y'all think just because that bitch helping people get out of jail, <laughs> she No. Mm. No, even that is coached, okay?
1: That's what I'm saying, she can talk now-ish.
0: She talk adjacent. <laughs>
1: right, exactly, exactly. She talk yeah. there, there we go. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um. Th- next, uh, next, next, <laughs> next portion is zaddy of the week this is mm-hmm. one man that we feel like deserves the ass the puss mm-hmm. the mouth or all or, or a combination of all three you mm-hmm. um,
1: know
0: all the um, holes yeah mm-hmm. 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 even your ear if you get oh, okay.
1: into it
3: my evergreen zaddy is um clifford smith aka method man
1: that's a great zaddy
3: evergreen ever fucking green
1: Whew, that's a great one yeah that's
2: classic
3: forever and ever he's tall he just uh, oof. his he's
1: boys still, he's still his
0: ignorant
3: voice. he's still ignorant
1: and he's still fine as fuck that's D- that
3: fuck like how <laughs> why
1: that nigga My ain't age. he
0: hasn't
1: no.
3: or if he has age it's like it only made it him it only him. Yeah. made it better like he <sighs> only got better
1: mm-hmm. mm. yeah that's a good one Amber. Okay, so since we in the Gen X, I was thinking Lorenz Tate. (laughs) Lorenz is good.
3: He's just short. If Lorenz could be taller, mm -hmm. he'd be everything. Yeah. I mean, if he was taller, I might have gone looking for him. How how small is he? He's like five. Six. Okay. Something like that. That's still Seven. taller
1: than that's still taller than me. Okay. So so that's mm-hmm. that works for you. That yes. works for that me. That works for you. I I mean I love tall men, but right. as long as you're taller than me. But Lorenz Tate, I know that Love Jones just came back on Netflix. Yes. And. Yes. I don't watch power, but I see, yeah. you know, I follow all like the nigger Instagram. So they always, <laughs> you know, <laughs> posting that <Nigger-gram>.
2: shit. Nigger <laughs> <laughs> Nigger I hate you. <laughs> I hate you.
1: So they Same, always though. post. I don't watch it, but I know all of it. I know all of it. Good. I know all of it. So Lorenz. Yeah. Shout out to you. Mm. Love you. He's he from Chicago too. He has not aged. The a nigga's day.
0: Nice.
1: Whew. So Super Lorenz.
0: Cutie. Um mine. Um, he's been an option before, but this week he was back in the news. Um, Shannon Sharp and okay, I, I want to.
1: <sighs> I see Sorry. it. Sorry, Shannon. <sighs> I
3: see it. I get it. Okay, Love so let Shannon. me tell y'all
0: something about Shannon Sharp. Okay. My 13 year gay ass who didn't really <laughs> understand that he was gay, I was crushing on Shannon Sharp Without in 1999. Realizing what he was. Exactly. Right. I was like, why do I like him so much? Why is he? I think he's so funny. <laughs> 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 okay. I have been wanting to give Shannon Sharp. <laughs> I've been wanting to give Shannon Sharp some bussy since 1999, <laughs> since the motherfucking Broncos won the Super oh Bowl. Do y'all up. understand <laughs> that that's how long? I I don't remember. I can barely remember my classmates' names <laughs> from '99, <laughs> but I remember Shannon Sharp's ass. So I, I want y'all to funny. know, and he's only gotten bigger and finer with time. Oh come yeah. on. Ooh. King, I see it. I see it. Name. The
3: skin, the lips.
1: I get it. The body. The body. And you I know
0: he'll it. spit in your butt. Yeah, <laughs> he definitely is. He is spit your butt. He has always.
1: Q energy.
3: Mm-hmm. He does very
0: much so. And he has Q energy. energy. Yes, he does. He does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: I can see that. Yes, I'm not mad yeah. at
0: that. I'm as you shouldn't be. I'm not. All right, yeah. we're gonna go into our bad bitch hall of fame, which is one woman we feel like deserves her flowers who has not received them. This can be your mama, your friend, mm-hmm. whoever. Um, I'm gonna. I will start. Mm-hmm. I would like to shout out Nicole Ray. Yes.
1: Okay.
2: Okay.
0: So I want to be clear. First of all, Nicole Ray recently returned in the last couple of years to music, and she's now Lady Ray. She yeah. Shout them out them to up. her. She does like this classic old school vibes. She, okay. Um, she does
1: soul rock. Yeah. It's, okay. it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Rock cool.
0: Um, but the reason why I want to salute Nicole Ray most, most, most importantly, is because. The runs and the ad libs mm-hmm. on why you all in my grid mm-hmm. are so motherfucking iconic. Mm-hmm. They are the reason. Like, do you understand? Why you oh yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. motherfucking like Nicole like <sighs> we speak your name, Nicole. Yes. Like the fact that you you said <laughs> why you oh yeah <laughs> like right. what? Mm. Can, can you pay my B-E- <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Woo Nicole mm. Shout out to you
1: Also BT Their digital is actually pretty good Man. I just need them
3: to do a better job of dropping people to it
1: Absolutely, Definitely. but yeah. finding B T, um, they have an episode of Nicole Ray that mm-hmm. just came yeah, out I recently. Saw the clip for it, yeah. It's so so good, and Nicole Ray is amazing. Mm-hmm. And she was like always like my icon when growing up because I remember when I was young seeing her, I was like, she's so pretty. I was like, I'm gonna grow up looking like her. That that is some Amber shit to say. Mm-hmm. Is like I'm gonna grow up looking like this beautiful woman, and I was just like so excited by her and i loved her music and just mm-hmm. seeing her still who she's working she was working with the black keys mm-hmm. which i mm-hmm. had no clue about you know like she's out here doing her own thing she's writing for people she the theme song for barry on hbo oh i didn't know, that. I didn't know. she wrote that wow i'm I telling you no I, all this stuff i didn't know so watch finding bts on youtube and watch the nicole ray i also watched the murphy lee one because i just really liked it after a while I was I was just like, oh, let I watch this. That's
3: somebody I would have never thought to profile. I would have never thought, we need to know what Murphy Lee's been doing.
1: I know. half the But people, Murphy Lee had a moment. It was he did have short. a moment.
3: He did have a moment. I
1: loved and me some Murphy Lee. Lee. Oh, I was obsessed with the St. Lunatics. All black
0: girls from the Midwest <laughs> were <world, so. laughs> like, obsessed. Like, Murphy Lee was like pinnacle Midwest black girl cuteness. I,
1: like, I was like, oh, I'm marrying Nelly. And then I might, like, the date. Nelly, yeah, and like, then Murphy. get Murphy <laughs> Lee. <laughs> I was with the whole crew.
0: I was always saying, look at Shout out to Nelly for making tip drill, which will be, will be, will be will be, pl- will be played at my wedding. <laughs> I plan on having my husband swipe a card down my, all right. down the crack of my ass. Oh my God.
3: All right. At your wedding?
0: At, yes. Oh, Naima.
1: Jesus. What's your grandma
3: gonna say? Is
0: she alive? She is. One of them is, but she still They'll
1: yeah, know. She'll be fine. They'll know. They'll just be
3: like, this, this is, this the is what they expected from me. Okay.
1: Naima, yeah. who's your bad bitch, Hall of Fame?
3: I'm trying to think, you know. Me too. This part it's good, it's this is gonna seem redundant because you're gonna be like, she's gotten her flowers, but I really don't think she gets the respect, the real respect she deserves. And I'm thinking about her because of um Lil Mermaid, but Queen Latifah, like
1: Absolutely. We
3: give La some props, but when you I don't think she really gets what she deserves for like being like the first you know, for being one of the first rappers to become a successful actress, mm-hmm. for being Oscar nominated, for being one of the first women to own, have her own management company, for being, you know, the TV, for the TV show. For like, she's done for the, the being one of the first black women to have her own cover girl line, for, like, her production company. Like, mm-hmm. for everything she's... Like, there's nothing this bitch can't do. Mm-hmm. Like, having a successful talk show, jazz albums. Like, like yeah. La does everything. Like, she does everything and i just don't think we really give her credit for like the entire entertainment spectrum right that she's covered professionally and like killed it in her area in every, right. every single way a word yeah
1: <sighs> nicole ray i think was gonna be mine but I, I can only think of nia long for right now maybe because uh because she's gorgeous because <laughs> she's gorgeous I also I have. I'm getting a wig made that I want it to look like, <laughs> like hers. I, I just said Lorenz Tate. Yeah. So listen, on, I'm Nia. not
3: like Nia was like '90s black girl girls yeah.
1: all day. Yeah. All day. day. Like she was
3: just the flyest fucking thing ever. She, she was so
1: like unassuming. girl next door yeah. too.
3: Yeah. You know. Just fly. Mm-hmm. Just like effortlessly fly though. Like right. Like right. accessibly fly. Yeah. Right. Very yeah. much so. Yeah.
0: Accessible fly.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what um, I'll say. Knee along. Okay.
0: All right. As always, we close it out with good bussy vibes, which mm-hmm. is one quote that has inspired me a week or just spoke to me. And this one reads, as radically as possible, as often as you can, remember to, and with as much passion as you can, muster, commit to what you want. Once again, as radically as possible, as often as you can remember to, and with as much passion as you can muster, commit to what you want. This is by Ch- Chaney Nicholas. Um, I just thought this was fitting. This mm-hmm. wasn't my original um, Good Bussy vibe, like, but I felt like this felt very. Like than yeah. yeah, I like
1: that. And I like that. And I like that on Twitter, too. Yeah.
0: Right? It, are they an astrologist? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Chaney's, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, so shout out to Chaney. and felt fitting for now. Yeah, episode. thank you. I
3: like that. I'm going to go find that. That's, that's definitely fitting. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. Hi, great. No, time. thank
0: you, no, you.
1: Thank you. This was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> this is so
0: good because I'm, I'm, I'm seeing where am who Amber gonna be. <laughs> I love that. Like, y'all same person. We
1: are very similar. <laughs>
0: so I can now, I can now sense like, oh, this is who Amber gonna be in ten years. So, and I like you. So you know, thank I, you. I, yeah. I like so, you too. so, so I can now know that I like Amber that in ten years. like still
3: like Amber. Like, yeah,
1: I, still I, be able too. to fuck with her mm-hmm. in ten like, years. Like, ooh. ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it was getting shaky. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you <laughs> okay.
0: Naima so before we leave Naima please tell us where everyone can find you sure. what you want the girls to know before we leave we, the pussy yeah. hive just tell them everything the
3: easiest way to find me is on twitter at Naima, N-A-I-M-A. Um, but you can find everything else I do and a link to all my different little lives or whatever at NaimaCochran.com okay. so Naima dot com
0: Anything coming up that you want the girls to know about?
3: Um, I don't think so. I mean, but things keep happening to me that I didn't expect to happen. So, oh, child, no. blessed, listen, bless.
0: blessed, fat bitch, but
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> literally,
3: so yeah, y'all could just add, Um, if you follow me on Twitter, I promise whatever's popping, whatever I do when I remember to, I'll, I'll promote it there. Okay, yeah, but thank you guys for having me. I had a great time. Thank you, thank, no, thank, you, thank you, for you for coming. coming. Yeah.
0: All right, as always, guys, y'all can follow us on #ipraythot on both Instagram and Twitter, um, and then you can obviously listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Google Music Play. Please tell a friend to tell a motherfucking thot to tell your auntie to tell your uncle, um, your progressive uncle, um, but you know, just tell your close-minded uncle too. He might learn something. Um. Mm-hmm. You probably won't, but hey, <laughs> a play is a play. Um yeah. As always, Bussy High, we appreciate y'all for listening. We apologize that we had a week off. That wasn't our fault, though. I guess canceled.
1: <laughs>
0: but hey, we still love them. It just hate things happen. Um, as always, we will continue to appreciate you guys for the supporting and bye.
1: Bye.